0: Turn it on and rip the knob off.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade, episode number 42. I'm your host, Ray Russell, and joining me this week, Mr. Steven Ekstad. back to the show. Steve, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot, man. Not a whole lot? Hanging in there. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Make something up.
2: I wish I wish I could make up something entertaining. Just
1: not that, just not that quick and clever. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Guys, guys tuning in here, you guys know by now, we just completed May of 93, and now we're on the road to the WWF King of the Ring. Is there such thing as a road to the King of the Ring? Well, if not, I guess we, we're on it anyway.
2: Uh, they, they did a pretty good job of the build-up to this one, but it kind of falls apart as the years <laughs> go on.
1: Yeah, that's, that's uh, at the very least. <laughs> for sure and this week guys because the king of the ring is smack dab in the middle of june we're going to talk all about the first half of june that covers the weekends of june 5th and june 12th all the news and notes going into the pay-per-view as well here in 1993 let's talk a little bit about social media guys you can listen to the wrestling memory grenade as part of the wrestlecopia podcast network on wrestlecopia.com and all your favorite podcast streaming apps from Apple to Spotify, Google Pod, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audible on Amazon, iHeartRadio, so many more, guys. We're out there just about anywhere you can think of. And also, I would be remiss, Steve, if I didn't tell them to follow us on Twitter. That's our main place to be, on Twitter at Grenade at R-A-S-S-L-I-N, Grenade, home of the reprise giveaway. You can also now follow and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Grenade as well. Be sure to follow us, guys, on Twitter and Facebook for your chance to enter and win future free prize giveaways coming extremely soon. I got giveaway news coming this week on social media. So follow now, and what we'll be giving away this holiday season will be announced very soon. In fact, by the time this drops, I may already have something up, but I had planned to add a little bit more, some holiday spirit. All you got to do is follow us, guys, on Facebook, Twitter. Follow us both places. Double your chance of winning. It's like cheating, but not really. And all December giveaways will be announced. Christmas weekend. I want to say Christmas day, but if I get too busy and I forget to do it, I, I don't want to put myself in that position. So I'm just going to call it Christmas weekend. And yes, Steve, I call it Christmas weekend, not holiday weekend.
2: Uh, it's 100% Christmas weekend.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> YouTube. Great to announce. I announced it last week, but for anyone who missed it, thank you again. In case you haven't heard to those who have subscribed to the wrestling memory grenade on YouTube because of you, we have finally obtained our goal of that custom URL. You can now find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Rasslin' Grenade. I put a lot of thought into that one, Steve. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Again, thank you keep to our... Keep it simple, right? Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. Or we're, not allowed to, yeah, we're not allowed to say stupid anymore, right? Didn't they change it now? Keep it sweet and simple or something? I don't know.
2: I don't know. I, I, was taught, I didn't hear this until like ninth <laughs> or 10th grade, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever, and I never forgot it.
1: I think I learned it in seventh grade math. But yeah, yeah, I learned over the time that they've they've, they've eliminated the (laughs) stupid from there. Obviously, PC snowflakes and all that good shit. No snowflakes here yet. I mean, well, we've had them, but not not very often. The weather, very odd weather here in the (laughs) eastern half
2: of the United States right now. I've had some flurries, but nothing that's stuck.
1: So (laughs) enough about our weather. I'm sure you guys don't really want to hear all about that right now. I'm sure you guys are undergoing the same exact situation we are if you're in our areas. But uh, I want you guys to know... Again, thank you so very much to our loyal listeners who are responsible for making the youtube.com slash wrestling grenade URL happen. Thank you guys to all the listeners who are subscribing and downloading and retweeting everything you're doing. Your loyalty means everything to this show, to the grenade, to the Russell Copia Podcast Network. You guys haven't quit on us. I promise you, we're not going to quit on you. We are going nowhere. More videos to be added on YouTube very soon. And a special thank you too. I should. I have to mention this. A special thank you to Mr. Howie D. Hi, Howie. Shout out there to Howie D. Last week, Howie recommended some localized face-to-face promo sound bites that helped make the show. I felt like they helped make the show. It was Razor and Sean. They're both heels at this time. They're going against each other at Madison Square Garden, and they just have some fun with me and just some comedy bit here. And then even funnier later on in the show. Of course, Mr. Perfect and Luger scheduled to wrestle at the garden as well and well i feel like mr perfect and mean gene team up on luger as they repeatedly refer to him as a horse face no horsing around ha no horsing around and yeah hennig really lets luger have it. luger was really fun though he was very animated as well he, he tried to be funny i'll give him that much lex lex a little out of his element but he tried to stand toe-to-toe with kurt hennig and obviously not very many people can win in that battle but it was still fun <laughs> And finally, a kind thanks for all the messages I got about last week's big May episode. Everybody was really excited about all of the new stuff going on in the WWF. It's really a changing of the guard in many ways, and it's still more to come here at the King of the Ring pay review. It's covered all sorts of great stuff. The outpouring of positive comments, very cool, very encouraging for the show. Everybody's really excited now that we're past that hump you've talked about in the past, Steve, of the uh, first few months of the year. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. May of 93, to me, was really like the turning point. Of the year, so it's uh, pretty cool, pretty exciting. I'm happy also to announce the numbers for the May show already done as many listeners in three days than the previous show is done in 11 days. That's not saying that our day uh, the show before the May show wasn't doing normal numbers, it was. We we matched our numbers in a quarter of the amount of time. So clearly, this is the era, this is when people are really starting to pay attention. So listeners uh, really picking up and at a perfect time, no doubt, everybody was waiting for us to get to May and hit that stride
2: yeah they chose a great time to tune in even though i wasn't on the show i did watch all the tv and uh i know what happened so right big month it's, uh it was a it was a huge month and it's, it's only getting better from here i think uh for a little bit anyway <laughs> but uh no, we got plenty to talk about with June, but May was is the big month, and I missed it, so I apologize for being out. I'm back, and I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah, I did my best. I tried to hold down the fort. I didn't want to uh, let the <laughs> listeners down. We had to get it out there. It was quite a undertaking, though. I, I got to admit, there was a lot of shit going on in May.
2: Yeah, there's a bunch. I, I'm sorry. I want to apologize. It's just been a, a rough couple of weeks. It's been a roller coaster. I've been extremely busy with kids and life. Everything's back to normal for now. So we're getting back in track, back in the, the normalcy, I guess, of our household. It's just been one thing after another. Thanks for holding on to fort.
1: Yeah, very good. And this week, guys, Steve is back, and we're going to talk all about the pre-King of the Ring news and notes for June of 93, covering all the notes from June 1st through June 13th, the night of the King of the Ring. For anyone curious, this episode is filled with sound bites galore. And I'm I'm telling you when I when I started doing this episode I felt bad. I'm like, we're only giving them 2 weeks of TV. How are we going to fill a show with 2 weeks of TV? I got to come up with some pa- sound bites. I got to pull some sound bites out of my ass. Lucky for me, Steve, I didn't have to. They were there for the taking. Plenty of worthwhile sound bites here this week, guys. Every one of them, I promise you.
2: Yeah, there, there's quite a bit. There's quite a few. Goodness, I can't yes. like to talk about him.
1: Lots of good stuff as we talk about June news. It's really just all the basis. We're going to talk a little bit about injuries. June injury notes. I'm happy to say, Steve, relatively healthy month for the crew. Overall, we talk about Scott Steiner. I mentioned last on the last grenade, Scott Steiner pulled his hamstring on the final day of May, May 31st. He does miss the following week house shows, replacing Scott Steiner in the tag team matches. Rick Steiner teaming with Bob Backlund. Oh my God. Yes, indeed he do. (laughs) And you know, I remember, and I haven't watched King of the ring in many, many, many years. I remember the Steiner's doing very little in that eight man tag. And now I see why Scott Steiner had a hamstring injury and he was slowly coming back. He did work the actual match, but didn't do a whole lot. I remember the the guns basically doing most of it in the match being kind of short. So that explains a little bit here. Also, Marty Gennetti, Misses a few dates here in early June before the King of the Ring with an quote-unquote unknown injury. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know what the situation is. But I did read that Marty Janetti was backstage by the King of the Ring and he's back on the road by the day after. So no real major injury there for Marty Janetti against Scott Steiner, only missing a handful of shows himself. I did announce last week that Typhoon was initially removed from the May house show dates. I wasn't sure why last week, but I found out he had a separated shoulder from a match with Papa Shango that took place in Houston, Texas. However, I can affirm Typhoon completely gone from the company to be
3: none other than
1: the
0: Shock Master! All right. the Shock Master.
1: <laughs> so good luck to Uncle Fred and all his endeavors as he uh, heads into WCW land as the
2: Shockmaster. Master.
1: Can't wait to see how that turns out.
2: Uh, next level.
1: I thought you were going to say the next grenade. I was going to say, no, 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 my friend. No, no, no.
2: No, no, no. We got big plans for the next grenade. No, Absolutely. Not that. Yes.
1: Uh, Kamala <laughs> winds up missing some dates later in June, by the way, uh, due to a what they call a family emergency. I don't know what the story is there. He was replaced on the West Coast part of the tour by the Tonga Kid, the former Tama of the Islanders, the former Tonga Kid, also in the early 80s in the WWF. Of course, by this point, he's ballooned up to uh, well over 300 pounds, I believe. And for the rest, the remainder of those shows, uh, other than the West Coast, it was the 123 Kid who subbed for Kamala on the house shows as he returned from his tour of New Japan. Also, Bret Hart, get this. Now, Steve, you're a pretty big follower of the hitman, Bret Hart, although you also understand who he is and what he is. So I'm going to ask you, am I wrong in thinking or in my mind thinking that Bret Hart stated he never missed a day from an injury? Or is that someone else that, that claimed that?
2: I don't know if he says he's never missed a day to injury. I know he said he's never injured anyone. Okay, I know he's right. always made that claim. But I don't know. I can't recall the the actual being injured.
1: Right. I remember him getting injured with the Dino Bravo and the and the cracked ribs thing. And I wasn't sure if he missed that back. I think that was 1989 or not. Or it had to be around 89 or so. But here, Bret Hart actually misses one TV taping, which, you know, to be the trooper that Hart is, it's weird even reading this. But Bret Hart injures his ankle on that big, epic June 12th Madison Square Garden match with Bob Backlund. How do you injure your ankle in a match with Bob Backlund? <laughs> I don't even know what the Did it fall asleep? And it still took a few days to wake it up? But uh, yeah, Bret Hart Is and Bob Backlund. It was that gonna,
2: leg whip.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what it was. It's uh, So Bret and Bob Backlund, we'll talk a little bit. That we're going to get to the Garden Mat show here in a little bit. But June 12th, the day before the King of the Ring, a big Madison Square Garden show, Babyface versus Babyface, Bret and Backlund. Of course, Bret ends bob Backlund. we'll talk about that when we get there too but he injured his ankle in the process think about that steve brett had an ankle injury so bad that he had to miss the tv tapings on monday but before monday came the king of the ring where he wrestled not once not twice but three times and i mean he wrestled razor ramon bam bam bigelow and mr perfect
2: put on some classics yeah he wasn't gonna miss that pay-per-view payday Definitely not. TV oh, he TV wasn't going to he not, he wasn't going to
1: miss place. that pay per view period with everything they were they were handing him there. That's for sure.
2: Oh no, absolutely not. Hogan hooked him up.
1: <laughs> so yeah, inadvertently. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a promo. I don't know if you. I don't know if you picked up on it. There was a promo. I played. Uh, actually, I just discussed it. I, th- I believe on the May episode, there was a Hulk Hogan promo where he professed that I'm the best there is, was and ever will be. I don't know if you picked up on that when you were covering the May shows. I did. Yes, it's it uh, very interesting, to say the least. Uh, but uh, here we go. It's early June house shows. we got two touring groups, and we're going to end up breaking this down for you. But it changes quite a bit after The King of the Ring. So we're going to just look at what it was like here for Group A and Group B. Before The King of the Ring, most of the house shows saw Owen Hart over Terry Taylor, Papa Shango over Jim Powers. What a card already. Luna Vachon defeating Sherry Martel. Usually with the help of Bam Bam Bigelow, Yokozuna over Jim Duggan, Tatanka beating Bam Bam on disqualifications, Mr. Hughes over Virgil, kind of a light show for the most part here, the Steiners, or should I say also Rick Steiner and Bob Backlund over Tag Team Champions of Money Incorporated and IRS and DiBiase by Countout, and also there were other nights too where Money Incorporated had to wrestle the Mega Maniacs. So on those nights, the Steiners over Blake Beverly and Damian Demento so, yes, what that team. happened.
2: Yes. What a team. You
1: see what they thought of the Beverly Brothers. Bo goes out, and the first guy they think of for his replacement is Damian Demento. Hey,
2: Blake's hanging out, though. And I wonder if of, Damian didn't hit him like Bo did every single uh, night for the last six months.
1: I don't know if Blake would take that from Damian Demento. <laughs> you
2: think they changed the finish?
1: <laughs> I don't even want to think about that match, to be honest with you. I really don't. <laughs> When I, I saw Rick Steiner and Bob Backling teaming up, that blew my mind. But when I saw Blake Beverly and Damian D'Antoni teaming up, the match I just to that, though. yeah, I did. I requested. I, I, I yeah, I did last episode. I requested somebody to send me uh, <laughs> video footage. They know any exists out there of that match uh, of that team. I should say uh, early June oh. dates. Also, the main event saw Marty Jannetty when he was Intercontinental Champion, defeat Shawn Michaels. Of course, those finishes will flip flop before we get to the King of the Ring. I'll explain why here in a little bit. Over in Group B, it's El Matador over the Brooklyn Brawler. Later, Papa Shango moved to this tour. El Matador over Papa Shango in the Curtain Jerker. Razor Amon beating Kamala on these cards. The Undertaker over the Giant Gonzalez by disqualification. Nights when the Mega Maniacs were working, the money, were working money incorporated in the Group A tour, Steiners were sometimes sent over here as well to take on the Head Triggers, Defeating the Head Triggers. Rick Steiner and Bob Backlund even beat the Head Shrinkers at one point. On the shows where the Steiners aren't working the head shrinkers, it's the shrinkers over the guns and the guns over the shrinkers. So some flip-flopping there as well. Just depended on the night, I suppose. Crush over Doink by DQ. Some dates even featured the mixed tags of the Bushwhackers and Tiger Jackson. Over the lovely team, wow, of Blake Beverly, Damian Demento, and Little Louie. Wow, just talk about a hodgepodge of randomness there. And the main events, most nights saw Lex Luger illegally knocking Bret Hart. Well, I guess it was legal. Knocking Bret Hart out with the forearm and scoring the win. Anything catch your fancy there?
2: No, it sounds like shit. Okay. I'm not well, to see any of that. Well,
4: that's,
1: that's where we're at. It's funny well, because I'm talking about how great the 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 companies become here in the last several weeks, and this is this is what the house shows look like at least before King of the Ring.
2: Yeah, it's getting there.
1: So but after man,
2: you can just tell like they don't have they have guys coming in, but right. they haven't hit the house show circuit yet, like the kid and. And a few other things. So, um, once that gets going and you get like Borga and those guys coming in, you can fill it out with some characters that are actually over and decent instead of jobbers galore through six of your first like eight matches. So, pretty rough. Don't worry, your house was down.
1: So, we'll go back to WrestleMania 9, April 4. Hulk Hogan wins the WWF title all the way back at the beginning of April. Then he goes to Hollyweird, dude. And that's where he stays for all of April and most of May. He does come back and work three tag team matches with Brutus against Money Incorporated near the end of May, two of them on the same date. So really, he only works two days out of May. So Hogan's worked basically two days since WrestleMania at this point, though he does come back and work some house shows here in May in fe- or in June. In fact, he works nine in total, not counting King of the Ring. He works Winnipeg, Albany, Indianapolis, Minneapolis, Richmond, Virginia, Columbus, Ohio, Huntington, West Virginia. Hulk Hogan works Huntington. Wow, what an odd choice there. And then post-King of the Ring, the Mega Maniacs are going to finish up here in the United States They'll only work the big cities of Chicago and Boston. And it's noted that world champion, the finishes of those Mega Maniac and Money Incorporated matches throughout the month, Hogan and Beefcake over Money Incorporated, the tag team champions, by disqualification. Sergeant Slaughter, the guest referee for those matches. The Meltz had this to say about Hulk Hogan. He says, Hulk Hogan's second weekend of house shows has to be labeled as a major disappointment. Hulk worked June 4th in Winnipeg, drawing 6,500 paid, June 5th in Minneapolis, drawing 3,300 paid, and June 6th in Albany, drawing 3,000 paid. Only the Winnipeg Gate can be labeled a success. Hogan still had the anchor of being a main event with Brutus Beefcake and Money Incorporated, who simply aren't capable of working on top and selling tickets at this point. So we'll have to see what happens next month when Hogan is scheduled to take on Yokozuna in the main event of the house shows. Of course, same finish with money and getting DQ'd from as, as it was at WrestleMania. So we get a replay basically what we've already seen, but just putting the name Hogan on the marquee, Meltzer says without a real match, people want to see anymore. Isn't going to bring in the casual fans now, Steve. So the days of just putting Hogan on TV with the genius and, and Vince, you know, that was a bet. They were backstage and Vince was so proud of Hogan back in, you know, this is 89 and, And he's, you know, we could put Hogan on TV with anybody and it'll, you know, it'll get ratings and, and okay, well, who can we come up with? And they come up with the genius and it still works. So literally, proof Hogan at one point, well, I don't have to tell anybody this. He was a draw. It didn't really matter who he was going up against, whether it was the one man gang or, or macho man, savage, he was going to sell people to the arena and here now in 93, not so much.
2: Well, I think the misconception there is, Outside of the, those one-offs like the Genius, most of his feuds had, most of his matches had some sort of build up to them, or you had like a, a Harley Race type that was in the ring with him for the majority of his runs, so it's not like they were just throwing shit at the wall and say, hey, come watch it. I mean, he had some pretty big feuds and pretty extended house show runs with a lot of those guys like Boss Man, Earthquake, Macho, I mean, the list goes on and on. So it wasn't like they did that regularly.
1: No, I but there were tours with Bad News set. and Harley Race and guys that weren't selling tickets on their own. It wasn't like the epic match. Well, no, it was but, just it was just people were paying to see Hulk Hogan. It was, the, it was the craze of that era. And here, nobody wants to see Hogan team with Beefcake to wrestle guys like IRS.
2: Yeah, that, it's a terrible idea. Like, I wasn't even excited for that match as a kid. No. And I was a Hulk Hogan fan, so it's... i couldn't imagine paying to see it (laughs) so i i don't know what you could have done differently i don't think there's anybody on the wwf roster in 1993 that fused well with hogan outside of yoko zuna and you're not squashing yoko at this point there's just no way
1: really because i could have swore that's what happened at wrestlemania that wasn't a squash i don't know
2: I mean, I get it, but I mean, you had to build an excuse that he had a 10 to 15 minute match. They're saying 20 yeah. minutes. It definitely wasn't 20 minutes, but it was a spur of the moment and he just got beat over some shenanigans. It wasn't that if in a fair fight, you know, fresh bell rings, let's see him do it again. That type of deal. Yeah, let's so, see him do
1: it again. Let's see what happens at King of the Ring.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think it hurt Yoko too much, to be honest. Um, especially with what happens at King of the Ring, but
1: well, if it did um, hurt Yoko, Yoko made sure to, to to cover his ass because he started killing the job guys with the bonsai right after losing that belt. I'll tell you that. I don't think he other than Kamala, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's protected one guy since WrestleMania.
2: I, I can't say I blame him. So <laughs> I just I don't know, man. Hogan in 1993 just doesn't work. It, it does not work. Yeah, it was time for him to go. It, it definitely was. It was time. Now, if it was just Hogan in the tag match and then it was a one-and-done type deal, you needed to sell WrestleMania, fine, that's fine. But the shit that happened at the main event and what happened leading up, like none of that fit in WWF in 93. So if he just had that one match and was gone, it would have been better. But we didn't get that.
1: So Hogan started this tour of June in Winnipeg on the 4th. And by the time June 7th rolled around... Hulk Hogan made the gossip column in the Winnipeg Sun as after his Friday night match, he attended a strip club with, get this, Jimmy Hart, makes sense, okay. Brutus Beefcake, I could, I could see Brutus Beefcake going to a strip club. Papa Shango, of all people. Now, that doesn't shock me, knowing who Papa Shango is. Just odd seeing him there with Hulk Hogan. Virgil, of all people. And uh, Ted DiBiase, the guy he's in the feud with, also joins Hulk Hogan at the strip club here in uh, 1993
2: interesting group of individuals there
1: <laughs> yeah some oh, of the wow. uh, some of the less savory of the uh i'm actually jimmy hart sticks out to me more than anybody nobody else nobody else in this list really surprises me
2: no not at all but i'm surprised papa Shango was there like in the strip club but being with hogan considering he's boys with taker at this point and well taker and <laughs> hogan art didn't necessarily see eye to eye so that's kind
1: of weird. well i think i think, was I think taker, it was but... more of uh Hey, we're going to the strip club, and Papa Shango is going to go there with or without Hogan, right? So, so maybe while he was there, he's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll hang,
2: whatever." That's probably what it is. He just he was already there, and he saw those guys come in, and they just started hanging out.
1: Oh, hey, what's up, guys? Oh, Virgil, one of my buddies.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of Hogan, Mister Nanny opens nationally in the United States on June thirtieth. So you have that to look forward to. Go out and watch Mister Nanny, everybody. uh, Go watch Hogan and some uh, leotards. 28 years later, I have yet to watch that. I don't think I ever will. I think I watched it when I was a kid. The singles rematches between Hogan and Yoko, which start the the following weekend after King of the Ring, are supposed to be the acid test on whether Hogan can still draw the masses with his name, as there is a strong argument that Beefcake and Money Incorporated, being in the main event with him, are the reason... The tickets aren't selling. It's not just Hulk Hogan by himself. I think we just discussed that. But either way, with the exception of Winnipeg and the Meadowlands, Hogan's return to house shows in June have been a box office flop, says Melt. So it's not working. And I could have told you that. I have no, no inclination of watching a match involving uh, IRS and Brutus Beefcake in the main event. And, I'm, you know, I'm not going to attack Ted DiBiase here, but 1993 Ted DiBiase really isn't tickling my fancy as a main eventer either.
2: Yeah, especially with the back injury. Kind of, I mean, he would work hard. You like we talked about on that on the UK show, but he would work hard depending on the opponent. But for the most part, he can't go every single night and put on a, a match that Ted DiBiase is accustomed to. So, um, yeah, really, the only guy that deserves to be in the main event is Hogan at this point. Out of those four,
1: title change alert, and this won't be the last time we have a title change here in June. In fact, all of the belts will change hands before this month is over. But this is the very first title change. In Albany, New York, Knickerbocker Arena, June 6th, in front of 3,000 people saw Shawn Michaels with a new mysterious bodyguard that looks, interestingly enough, like Vinny Vegas, of all people. Shawn Michaels pinned Intercontinental Champion Marty Jannetty to win the title back with the superkick after Marty Jannetty was distracted by this new ringside bodyguard. This was the debut of Kevin Nash in the WWF.
2: Pretty cool.
1: Yeah, things are uh, it's funny how that was cool when it first happened and then you know what these guys turn into later on. Not not so cool. <laughs> That's not cool.
2: Right, and you know, what's funny is is we got Diesel's debut here on the grenade and we got Kevin Nash's debut over on the Monday Warfare show at the, around the same
1: time. Yeah, it's uh it's odd how that happened. <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very it's soon. Up. So I ran down the house shows, group A and group B and everything going into the King of the Ring. Well, there were two nights where there was a completely different house show on the circuit that was in Baltimore and in New York, Madison Square Garden, June 11th and June 12th, heading into the King of the Ring. Here are the results. This sounds like a really fun Madison Square Garden show. Actually, I was trying to find this footage. I haven't been able to find it yet, located yet, but I hopefully I can, hopefully it turns up because some of these matches, very interesting. Tito Santana over Papa Shango. This is uh, Santana's last Madison Square Garden match. So Tito goes out on top, pinning Papa Shango. Originally announced for this match, this was supposed to be Marty Jannetty versus Papa Shango, But remember, Marty misses a few dates here right before the King of the Ring. Razor Ramon, this is the heel versus heel match we were talking about. Razor Ramon defeated WWF, champion Shawn, or WWF Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels by a countout when Diesel, the future Diesel, pulled the champion out of the ring and helped him backstage immediately after the challenger hit the Razor's edge. So Diesel basically just saved Sean from losing the belt there in the garden. After the bout, Razor grabbed the microphone and challenged Michaels to bring Diesel and the belt back out, with HBK and the bodyguard returning briefly before leaving ringside again. This is Kevin Nash's Madison Square Garden debut on Tito's last night in Madison Square Garden. Hmm, interesting trivia there. Ramon played the total babyface here, even though his turn won't air on television for another week, so he gets the win by a count out here over Shawn Michaels. Also, we got a heel versus heel match. Now it's babyface versus baby face. Bret Hart pins Bob Backlund with what they call a rollover. <laughs> I don't know what that quite is, but I'm sure it's some kind of a roll-up of some sort. In a 32-minute match. So these guys don't know how to do anything but these 30-plus minute matches, apparently. Prior to the bout, the two shook hands. During the bout, Hart sustained a legit ankle injury. And after the bout, the two shook hands once more. Backlund even raising Bret Hart's arm in a show of respect. This is Backlund, believe this or not, Steve, this is Bob Backlund's first pinfall loss ever in Madison Square Garden after headlining that arena for nearly six years back in the late 70s, early 80s.
2: Pretty impressive there. It's quite the streak there. Holy shit.
1: Yeah, that's a hell of a (laughs) run. Well, you got to remember, Backlund was basically champion the entire time. The only now yeah. remember it's his only pinfall loss. He did he did get the towel yeah. thrown in and lose lose the belt to the Iron Sheik. But yeah, this is the first time Backlund ever had his shoulders pinned to the mat in that arena. So that's pretty big. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I was scanning a magazine and it was like WrestleMania trivia, and I saw like uh, where, where did Roddy Piper suffer his only pinfall loss in the WWF and WrestleMania eight, and I started thinking I was like, damn, he never took a pinfall loss
1: besides well, that one. Snooka pinned uh, him in the strap match. Well. That, <laughs>
2: I figured that was the case, but yeah. uh, I thought that was BS. But I mean, that's probably there's only a handful. Probably oh yeah, three or four that, losses. Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, not Iber's say more than three.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. Yeah.
2: So, still pretty. Like when you think about these things, it doesn't seem like much, but it's like, damn. <laughs> back when he wrestled in MSG for eight years as champion. But I'm sure he wrestled there a little bit beforehand, and then all the way into '93 when he came back. Wow at least a 10-year run there.
4: Yeah,
1: Backlund, Backlund worked, the, worked the garden quite a bit. And, you know, yeah, beating all those names, it's amazing. And here, Bret Hart, it's kind of the passing of the torch of sorts, only nobody's really able to see it. Nobody cares. Well, <laughs> Nobody that, cares either. Too, or knows who Bob Backlund <laughs> even is. But anyway, right. <laughs> well, this era, anyway. The Undertaker over the John Gonzalez on this card by disqualification, and, and luckily it only goes four and a half minutes. They didn't, they didn't catch on to that early enough at WrestleMania. That would have been nice. Nice four and a half in and out. Gonzalez uses a steel chair here. So we've seen Tito's last match in the garden. We've seen Diesel's first appearance in the garden. We've seen Backlund's first loss, pinfall loss in the garden. Now we see the giant Gonzalez's only match in the garden, and I'm sure for very good reason. Also on, the, also on the card, Tatanka over Bam Bam Bigelow on a countout. That feud will continue. The Head Shrinkers team with their manager, Afa. The Wild Samoan out of retirement here tonight. Over the smoking guns and Kamala, so not too not too oh bad there. This goodness. is Afa's in-ring return to Madison Square Garden after a near nine-year absence. Of course, it is. Oh my goodness! Uh, this is also the smoking guns Madison Square Garden debut and Kamala's final match at the Garden. So a lot going on here. A lot of history being made. Whether anybody knows it or not, here tonight in the in Madison Square Garden.
2: That yeah, just goes to show you never know when the end is, when the end pops up, or when it's going to happen. You don't you don't know these things going in, so oh, absolutely
1: not. In the main event of this garden show, the narcissist, like Luger, pins Mr. Perfect, and 14 minutes after taking his forearm pad off, keep keep that in mind, Steve, behind the referee's back and knock, knocking Perfect out with the referee while the referee was distracted by Shawn Michaels and his bodyguard at ringside. Prior to the bout, Luger was forced to wear the elbow pad, or he would be fined twenty five thousand dollars and be suspended for six months so it starts here in the garden as far as i can tell with the uh, wearing the forearm pad
2: i'm sure we'll see that coming up here at the king in the ring
1: yeah so they're testing it out here the night before in madison square garden not a bad card though i mean all things considered lots of little trivia tidbits clearly razor and sean heel versus heel Brett and Backlund, face versus face, even if it did go 32 minutes. The Head Shrinkers and Affa all together in a tag team match against the Guns and Kamala. Tatanka and Bam Bam continuing their feud. Taker and John Gonzalez are feuding. Luger and Hennig. So it's a different card than pretty much any other night. And I just thought it was uh, it was different and inter- interesting. Some matches you won't get to
2: see. Yeah, anymore. absolutely.
1: At least not in yeah, this. Yeah, not
2: in that type of. Right. Yeah, not in that setting of, like you said, heel and heel, face to face. So uh very unique card. It seems like they do more for MSG, clearly, compared to other places. Uh, they'll go a little bit all-in with MSG sometimes compared to West Virginia and those places. So, sure. <laughs> um, but they're trying to get a house there because I'm pretty sure they probably use that as the barometer. If it's working in MSG, it's going to work everywhere. If nobody's there to see it, they don't know really what's working and what's not. So good on them for trying.
1: And good on them for not firing anybody for a full month. Gone in June, nobody, (laughs) nobody fired here in the month of June. Everyone is safe for at least one month, for now anyway. More purges coming very soon. Something like 12 wrestlers will be released between July and the first week of September. So in the next nine, ten weeks, yeah, they'll make up for this here in June. (laughs) Nobody gets fired now. Another dozen people out the door in the next two months.
2: And they thought that was something... Vince only did in 2020 and 2021 and he's doing it back in the day when he only had like 50 or 60 wrestlers on his, on his roster, not 300.
1: <laughs> well, good point. Good point there. But I, I, yeah, I just, uh, probably for the best one, once we start looking at the names, it's probably a good idea to just kind of move on from some of them. I'm I'm sure. As, uh, yeah,
2: I'm sure, too. <laughs> and
1: and, and the, the reason some of those guys are going to be removed from the roster are because we got a lot of new talent coming in. We've already seen some of them debut on the last episode. Adam Baum with new manager Johnny Polo, the Smoking Guns, making their rounds with their Alec Baldwin cap guns. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, we saw Friar Ferguson as well recently, Steve. I'm sure you remember the Friar from April. Well, he's gone. But the guy who plays Friar Ferguson is not. Mike Shaw still signed with the company. He'll be back very soon as Bastion Booger, and he'll get thrown right in there, into the Lions, because he'll have a brief two-week arc with Virgil, of all people, upon his debut. And that's how you make a star, pal. I promise you. That's right. That's it. Holy shit. Also, on their way in, they're on a mission. Men on a mission with manager Oscar, a rapping babyface tag team, formerly the Harlem Knights and the USWA. More on that later in this episode of The Grenade. Also, looks like the Kamikaze Cannonball One Two Three Kid gonna stick around. He's signed with the company right now. He's off in New Japan doing the Super Juniors tournament, but he'll return in the middle of June, and things off the races were are gonna go with the One Two Three Kid.
2: Nice, can't wait to see more of him.
1: There's also talk of the Mountie Jacques Rougeau headed back in. That's that's for sure. He's uh, coming. He's not coming alone though.
2: Always room for Jacques Rougeau in your company. Always. <laughs>
1: Well, I think he's. I think he gets put in the uh, right place, too. Right manager for his personality, anyway. And then, Absolutely. Uh, also, I mentioned, I believe on the last episode, it was in the last episode or two. Rick Martell looking for full time work again here with the company, but they're not giving it to him. They're playing a little hardball with Rick. They're letting him come in, though. He's working some Canadian shows, and Rick Martell coming in as needed right now. We know he will eventually come back full time by the fall, but as of right now, the model wanting back with the company and. They're just kind of throwing him work when, when, as needed. So maybe teaching Rick a little lesson there. Quit quitting the company every couple of months.
2: <laughs> About time to play hardball with him.
1: Yeah, the model in and out for years now. Going all the way back to, gosh, what, demolition taking him out at 89. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a minute. Or maybe it 88, 88. Sorry, 88. 88,
2: yeah. 88. yeah. yeah 89, he came back.
1: June tryouts, and again with so many new names hired and debuting over the last couple months, a very short list to try out this month. Those names do include, however, Rex King and Steve Dahl, simply divine right now in the USWA, also the former Southern Rockers and some other territories. They're going to try out and get a win over the team of Tito Santana and Virgil. God, I hope Virgil did the job there, and they're going to start. Steve, they're going to start in July under the new moniker of Well Done.
2: Not for
1: me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, uh, jo- we see Job Guy on one of the trials. Job Guy, Kevin Kruger over David Heath, the future Gangrel, with a sunset flip. Kevin Kruger, the Job Guy, getting the win here because David Heath was the one actually getting the tryout. You have to think maybe this is some kind of a favorite of Luna, who is at, at the very least engaged to Gangrel at this point, I believe. But, yeah, so David Heath getting a tryout but doing the job. Maybe they were going to see how he took it and go from there. But we don't see Gangrel pop up in the WF for quite a few years still.
2: Well, I didn't know they were together that that long.
1: Yeah, they kind of so spoiled cool. the, the uh, Bam Bam and Luna relationship, if you will, at one point on Mania. There's just a quick clip of a vampire wedding between Gangrel as Vampire Warrior and Luna. Although Vampire Warrior is never part of the company, they, they still show a clip of it there on an episode. I believe it was Mania. Wow. I've never seen that. We're going to look into the USWA crossover stuff of the World Wrestling Federation for June here in 93. We go back to USWA TV for June 5th, and they did an angle on TV where Jerry Lawler, the baby face there, was stuff pile-driven by Simply Divine, that's the future well-done Rex King Steve Dahl, to allow Lawler to miss the June 7th Mid-South Coliseum show. Originally, Lawler was set to challenge Papa Shango for the USWA title. Instead, Lawler misses the show because... He's scheduled to work Monday Night Raw. Meltz says Lawler's WWF stint is turning into a major expose of the business since he's a heel in one place and a face in the other on television that airs on the same day. As an example, when the Bret Hart-Papa Shango match that airs on Superstars this weekend, Lawler was all for Papa Shango, supporting Papa Shango, who he is feuding with in the USWA on the other channel. So very different. I'm sure sure the Memphis fans, it is kind of an expose of sorts.
2: Yeah, for a very small group of people. I mean, I don't know how many people have access to USWA TV other than the people in Memphis, but it seems overblown. I I see what he's saying, but at the same time, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of stupid.
1: I think it hurts (laughs) maybe the Memphis territory at the very least. I, I mean, I remember watching the USWA Smoky Mountain Feud and getting both sides of it on, I think, Tuesday and Wednesday. I would see the one on Tuesday, the other on Wednesday. And in Smoky Mountain, everybody was a baby face in Smoky Mountain, and all the USWA guys were heels, but in USWA, it was vice versa. And it was like they were telling the story from a different aspect, and, but I watched the other show, so I'm like, you're lying. You're fucking lying, and you're a baby face, and you're lying. So, so it's like it, it hurts it for me, not to the point where I'm not going to watch the show, but it certainly hurts it to suspend my disbelief sometimes
2: if you just compartmentalize you know this is one show, let's go to the next one and it's, I know it's a continuation of the feud and everything, but I I don't know man, I'm just, I'm different I know we kind of talked about this on the Monday Warfare show with like the Shawn Michaels stuff, I just, I take each episode for what it is, and they're all doing their own thing, even though they're working together that stuff they're doing in USWA has no bearing on what's happening on WWF TV at all it's just WWE or WWF helping out memphis more than anything
1: well we're gonna um, see if it helps them out trying right? by, to, by the end of this month
2: try to anyway try to anyway but well, i don't know i don't know if you're helping
1: out memphis when you're pulling their top draw from his uh, heavyweight title match two days beforehand well, so, you, so you can appear on raw
2: that's to me is more on jerry lawler he signed the deal with vince not not Vince. not him vince offered it he signed it
4: yeah
1: i just so, i don't see i don't see vince wanting to help anybody <laughs> In the long run, I, I don't I don't
2: know. And also, too, the other thing, this is 93, so who knows how much Vince is involved in this anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this could just be a Jerry Jarrett thing, and he's doing it. So he's trying to help out Memphis, taking advantage of WWF while Vince is out of town, thinking he's going to take things over. Who knows what the, the circumstances of this was. I know Vince gets involved with, like, promos and stuff, but yeah. I don't know how much hands-on he has on this at all, if any. So he's probably like, whatever, who cares?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I really don't know without being in that locker room way back then. And God knows most of the people that were in that locker room and, and part of this back then, their story is going to change 15 times between this morning and tomorrow. So
2: so I, I am <laughs> 100% correct on that one. Yeah.
1: So also <laughs> on this episode of TV, though, June 5th, they also announced that Brian Christopher is scheduled to wrestle The Undertaker at the Mid-South Coliseum Monday night, which saw Christopher do a freakout bit is what Meltz refers to it as. And we're going to talk now about that match, June 7th, at the Mid-South Coliseum. It was Southern Heavyweight Champion Brian Christopher fighting The Undertaker to a double disqualification. I'd like to see how that, that one came about. The show with The Undertaker draws 1,750 people. Now, that might not sound like a lot of people to those following the WWF, but it's actually double the average house show. God, Memphis has fallen a lot here by 1993. If that's <laughs> double the average With The Undertaker appearing, but remember, it was a couple months ago, a couple shows ago, we were talking about, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. You're an idiot if you don't accept the offer of Macho Man Randy Savage appearing on your shows, but the problem is, when he's not there, your house is going to go back down. When they bring in these guys underneath, the house isn't going to go back up. They're looking for Macho Man, or in this case, The Undertaker, who does double the numbers here this week against brian christopher then we fast forward a one week one week later to june 14th at the coliseum back down to 850 people in the mid-south coliseum to see the uswa champion papa shango go over jerry lawler on a disqualification papa shango tried to shoot fire from his skull which missed the king but then lawler connected with the fireball and he was the one getting disqualified interesting as we fast forward yet another week to June 21st in the Mid-South Coliseum. Quite a stacked show this time. Southern Heavyweight Champion Brian Christopher defeats The Undertaker. Yes, Brian Christopher defeated The Undertaker. Don't, don't have a conniption, fake guys. By disqualification, when The Undertaker was caught using Brian's own Tennessee chain, if you will. So The Undertaker caught using Brian Christopher's chain gets disqualified there. Also, Owen Hart comes into the company, and he defeats USWA Champion Papa Shango, the battle of the WWF guys. Owen Hart over Papa Shango to win the USWA title. During the match, Papa Shango kept wanting his manager, Burt Prentice, to give him his voodoo stick to use on Owen Hart, but Prentice kept refusing. And finally, as Shango argued with his own manager, Prentice threw the voodoo stick to Owen, who used it on Papa Shango for the pin. The two then embraced Owen and Burt Prentice afterwards to signify that Owen Hart had turned heel, so Owen doing the heel work here, back in June, turning on Papa Shango. Papa Shango, essentially, I don't think that he works anymore here, but he's basically turned babyface on the way out the door, of all things. And then also, (laughs) they had uh, done an angle, if you remember, I said last week's episode, last week in the Coliseum, Shango over Lawler at a DQ because the referee disqualified Lawler, even though it was Shango who threw fire first. So they did an angle on the TV in between that turned that referee heel. He was working for the WWF so to speak. So now they're creating their own WWF characters, kind of like ECW did in the latter half of 97. So here we see Jerry Lawler defeat the evil referee, Paul Neighbors, to close out this Mid-South Coliseum show, which drew 2,000. That's even more than The Undertaker. Because The Undertaker returns, we get Owen and Papa Shango, Lawler working a referee in a gimmick match of sorts. So yeah, 2,000 people, not a bad drawing house that week. And then to close out June... In the Mid South Coliseum for June 28th. I only put this down because Scotty Taylor, he's been doing a lot of jobs on WWF TV as of late. He goes down there. Jerry Jarrett brings him down for a match. WWF en- en- enhancement talent guy, Scott Taylor, future Scotty Tuhati, in a match getting a tryout down in USWA, teaming with a guy by the name of Randy Rocket over C.W. Bergstrom and Bo Alexander. What a barn burner that sounds like. Randy Red Rocket? And that's and that's where uh, after mags really pay off those PWI 500s. I remember never saw CW Bergstrom, but he was in the PWI 500, so he had to be somebody, right, Steve?
2: Absolutely. So if you saw,
1: yeah, so him and uh, Spooky Cool Kid Keen and all those good guys from the the original uh, PWI 500s.
2: (laughs) Wow, what a name! Yeah, he wrestle. Uh,
1: I don't remember. On the indies, but, uh, it wasn't until a few years ago, I realized what his name was. And I go, Oh, okay. Yeah. For those wondering, spooky, cool kid keen. Uh, well, if you drop the Y from his first name and you, you look at the letters of cool kid keen, which are all K's, then you realize that his gimmick was that of a Ku Klux Klan member. I said, doesn't sound as cool anymore. But as a kid, I popped for that what, name in the, in the after egg. Uh, 91, 92. Sounds like that. one of the original, one of the original uh, PWI 500s. I don't remember which year.
2: Amazing. In 1992, somebody's trying to be a clan member.
1: I think Neidhart did and that on a Vegas bubbles. show and he hung Virgil or something. Yeah. I'll have to ask oh how. My that.
2: Oh my yeah. God. What is that shit called out in Vegas? I don't remember what it was. The one where they paid like Warrior and Honky Tonk Man. Is yes. Is that the one you're
1: talking
2: about? Yes. Yes. They had Cactus and Sabu.
1: Yeah. They had. Yeah. Wow. That's the one. I don't- <laughs> Holy shit! So I really taken I watched this, some of that. I've never off made rail. it that far. Yeah, no, I never but made yeah, it that
2: far to to Virgil getting hung and Neithart turning into a clan member. Oh my god, what are we doing?
1: <laughs> I don't know what they were doing, but that would never, never, ever fly today. To say the least. I don't even know how it flew any at any point. Like that wasn't even yeah, a gimmick in the seventies, gonna... man. Come on.
2: Unless you're Gary Hart, but uh,
1: well, <laughs> you know, you made
2: the, you made this comment to me before that about chair shots to like the head, like unprotected chair shots. Ah. A lot of people know now like concussions and the severity of taking shots to the head and, and those sort of things. And you made the comment, he's like, I don't care how long ago it was. It's not smart to ever take a chair shot to the head, no matter how much you know about your brain and what can happen to it. What makes you think it's okay to take a shot to the head with a metal chair unprotected? Like it makes no sense at all. This kind of falls into line with that too. When is it okay to play a clan gimmick? Like ever. I don't care if it's in sixty eight in in Vegas, dude. This like, is
1: this isn't southeastern Kentucky. This this isn't like Po Dunk, Arkansas. <laughs> this is fucking Las Vegas, Nevada. And you're rolling with this gimmick. It just doesn't right. even make any sense. Oh my
2: oh it's it's never okay to do that ever. Wow. And you, and you <laughs> thought who who was bad. Holy shit.
1: Anywho, we'll go on with this show. We really went off the rails here. Talking about Neidhart and Spooky Cool Kid Keen and things like that. So he's probably never been talked about on a podcast before. But uh, <laughs> we go June twenty eighth. Scott Taylor on the undercard in the main event. It was USWA champion Owen Hart over Jerry the King Lawler on a disqualification after Lawler repeatedly dropped Owen with the illegal banned in Memphis pile driver. So Lawler lays Owen Hart out. I'm sure the crowd popped for that. But yes. Owen will retain the USWA belt for now. And right now. It's that time, Steve. It's time for Virgil of the Week. And I don't know if you had time to listen to last week's episode. It was a doozy. It was a long one. But during that show, I played the old Virgil of the Week. I had to go back in time. I actually pulled up a promo from old Virgil from middle of 1992. We talked about all the new guys coming in at that time, and he actually knew some of their names, believe it or not, 92. He talked about Nails and Kamala and, of course, Papa Shango, and here's another promo from that time period. Virgil, again, talking solely. He's, he's got his eyes focused on the voodoo man here. At Papa Shango. Let's listen to what Virgil has to say about Papa Shango.
5: I'd like to thank all the people all around the world because all you people are behind me 100%. I want to tell you about the competition here in the WWF. It's sky high. And now we get got this new guy on the scene called Papa Shango. Man, he's got all this black magic and voodoo and all this, man. He's a really strange character, but guess what? I was born on Friday the 13th. I know what strange characters are, but with all you people behind me, we can conquer the world because I need you, and with all these strange guys going around here, you never know when you need someone because I got my right, I got my left, and I got
1: all the good people all around the world to help Virgil do his thing. All these strange guys going around here, Steve. He's got his right, his left, and all the people. No, and I'm, I got to oh tell you, God. you guys have no idea how hard it is when every promo starts off like this. I like to thank all the people all around the world because, because I have to sit here and listen to the entire promo every time to make sure it's a completely different promo than ones I played before. every promo it seems like almost every promo <laughs> starts off the same way as he thinks all the people all around the world, which you know that, that's a class act Virgil doing that. But uh, this is another fun one here, talking about Papa Shango, the, the, the voodoo guy, the, the strange character. And I was born on Friday the 13th. I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah, I get what Friday the 13th is. I don't know what that has to do with voodoo and Papa Shango, or Papa Shango, as he calls him here.
2: Shit, <laughs> It's like Jimmy Snuka saying everybody out in TV land, every single promo. Oh, boy. That was a good one. Nice pick yes. on that one.
1: So uh, yeah, And I wrote, uh, Bret Hart has Papa Shango here, we're about to do the TV, and Bret Hart wrestles Papa Shango in the feature match on this upcoming episode of Superstars, so remember the reason I picked this, Steve, because if Bret can do it, why not? Virgil can do it too. Sure. Shout out to the new promo, Steve. I don't know if you caught this last week, but we debuted Virgil's new, well, what should have been his new catchphrase. Let's listen to it again here. Guess what?
4: me
1: there you go that's how virgil concluded his promo (laughs) last week he had no idea what he's what he was saying guess what long pause me virgil has no clue what he's doing he created he doesn't realize he created a t-shirt i should steal this guess what question mark and on the back me exclamation point fucking oh that that should make thousands if not millions of dollars
2: something depends on who's selling it i suppose
1: It's all up to Virgil. Well, I can see Cornette doing that because they're having a back and forth right now. I've been listening to that. That's been quite entertaining, Virgil and Jim Cornette going back and forth lately. And I'll agree with Jimmy Cornette on this too. He said, where was all this shit when you were wrestling? I I think we said that a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago. Why wasn't he saying this shit way back when? My God, it would have been gold.
2: Yeah, it took him 20 years, but he finally has the gimmick and a character that actually could get over. Too bad he's, what, the 60s can no longer work.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure where Virgil's at age-wise, but uh, I don't know that he's on either episode, either week of these uh, TVs, so I felt like it was needed to get a good promo in this week by Virgil. He didn't let us down.
2: Definitely not. He never does.
1: Guess what? Me. As we move on to WWF Superstars, it's time for TV. Ooh. June 5th, 1993, taped May 4th in Wooster Mass at the Memorial Auditorium. No intro here. Instead, it's straight into a video wall promo from Papa Shango.
0: In a few minutes, Bret Hart, you will be entering the dark world of Papa Shango. (laughs) Bret Hart Mini, a man has entered my dark circle, but no man has ever left
6: <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to WWE WWE Superstars!
1: WWE. And I don't know what shit Charles Wright's smoking this week, Steve, but to imply that nobody's ever left his uh, dark circle or whatever he calls it, it's just a, a bit silly. I don't know that anybody has not left his dark circle at this point. Warrior Undertaker. <laughs> we saw Brett beat him back at Saturday Night's main event. I've seen Tito Santana pin him. Jim Duggan beat him in about four minutes flat here just a few weeks ago on TV to qualify for the King of the Ring. So Papa Shango talks a good game, though. It's just like I got short... Like Mr. Fuji said on a recent episode of TV, I got sh- sh- short memory, boy Son, Papa Shango doesn't seem to <laughs> remember all the losses he's suffered here over the last year and a half as he comes to the ring for this featured bout kicking off superstars to take on Brett the Hitman Hart brett briefly on top to start the match but he runs right into a side slam which shango almost misses but he does connect and manages to take over papa shango then dominates the meat of the match i.e generic offense as we head into a commercial break and back shango whips brett off the ropes where brett comes running with a drop kick that looks more like a claymore kick i kind of marked out for that i said what was that what did i just see brett hart kind of delivered a claymore kick of sorts to papa shango and then it's the five moves odoon one of those five moves of doom here, I wrote, hey, that's Virgil's Russian leg sweep, damn it. So a middle finger from the hitman to Virgil here, nobody did that back then. You never saw anybody do a someone else's finisher. Even if it was a setup move for them, it took away from their finisher, Bret Hart. Well, he did it first, I get it, but I guess it was only Virgil.
2: Yeah, nobody cares.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shango <laughs> comes back with a shoulder breaker, but it's, it's not a reverse shoulder breaker, Steve, so it's not badass and it doesn't kill the hitman. Just a shitty regular shoulder breaker. Misses a leg drop and then lays there forever while Bret Hart just holds him by his ankles. Finally applying the sharpshooter to pick up the submission win on the Voodoo Man, the Voodoo Doctor, in just seven minutes. But that's a pretty long match for TV, syndicated TV. So Bret getting a big-name win here going into the King of the Ring since he hasn't really done much of anything in the ring. He didn't really qualify, so I thought this was pretty important, pretty good to give the hitman something throw him a bone before the king of the ring to get him set up and and going
2: yeah he hasn't done much of anything except piss off razor ramon lately so uh nice quality win i guess you can call it that uh (laughs) Papa Shango, like you said job to everybody at this point so he's a name and he has a reason for you to care he's not just some random guy nice match it was it was okay solid work by brett and i i I love the Papa Shango gimmick. It's just unfortunate that if wrong place, wrong time, I guess. I think, yeah, that's really I, I, th-
4: I
1: think it was this match that I was watching and I'm just like looking at him and, and his costume and, and his character. And I'm just like, he is so good. And he's not never been a great technician in the ring. So that, that was never going to pan out, but it just, it didn't work. And I think you're right. Wrong place, wrong time for sure.
2: Yeah. Just give him a little bit more uh, experience and make him get him ready. And this would have been kind of cool in 95, 96, in that era. It it would have fit a little bit better. And I think you would have been able to come in and do some damage.
1: In between the matches, we see the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, playing the new video game Royal Rumble, available this week on the Super Nintendo. Scott only using the A and B buttons, not even touching the D-pad. Both hands on the right side of the controller. I notice things like that all the time. When I watch people pretend to play video games, it's always fun to watch the wrestlers do it. Nowadays, all the wrestlers do know how to play video games. None of those guys. you think back in 1993, and these guys give a shit about a fucking video game? And uh, <laughs> it's just something I noticed, shit like this.
4: No,
2: they definitely didn't give a shit back then. Absolutely not. They do now, but it always. I always see it too. People just have... It's not just button mashing. That's not how it is. There's a skill to video gaming. They make us look stupid when they tease that people are playing video games. Are you ready for some Royal Rumble on the Super Nintendo? Let's go. I remember that, yeah. Good stuff back in those days. That was the I, shit. I still have it. That's some good shit, pal. I could throw it. That's right. That's right. They actually have finishing moves. Super yeah. WrestleMania didn't. They did. Royal Rumble did. That was the first one that did have finishers. And I was always Lex Luger. I Are mean, you surprised? I loved it when he did his double bicep pose after uh, laying out the people with the forearms.
1: Too Good many didn't, didn't do the pounce on the game. I digress.
2: too much work. <laughs> they, can't run, they can't run that way. They can yeah, only we go still, one we, way. We only run horizontal <laughs> on video games, pal. <laughs> right. We only got 16 bits of action here.
1: So we go back to the ring where it's the head triggers accompanied by Alpha, taking on Scott Taylor and Tim McNini and the pineapples return. Steve. Yes. Do you remember the pineapples from 1989 NWA when they used to smash them over the jobbers heads? Well, I marked out because I think it's our first look at pineapples here in the WWF during the match. Jerry Lawler on commentary says you guys like to talk about Tatanka and his ancestors. These guys can trace their family tree Back to when they lived in one. But um, bum <laughs> From the king there. Uh, <laughs> and it's the double face buster. And the Fatu splash off the top rope on McNini. Picks up the fast win in a minute and 58 seconds. Following the match, yes! They bust the pineapple on an un- unexpected Scotty Tuhati Standing on the apron gets the pineapple busted over his head. Sent to the floor. And then they smash the leftovers into the face of McNini. I wish the Head Triggers had started incorporating the pineapples into every match. As we go off to a face-to-face, Jim Duggan talks about his match with Bam Bam Bigelow at the King of the Ring. And then Mean Gene dials up Bret Hart and Razor Ramon to talk about their first round match. Let's take a listen.
7: Bret Hart will be squaring off against this man, <laughs> Razor Ramon, the bad joining guy. us uh, via satellite in the opening round. It's the hit band for you, sir.
8: Yeah, yeah, and I can't wait. One week away. What's the
7: name of the arena, man? It's another center in Dayton, Another center.
8: Mm -hmm. That's so fitting. Because, Hitman, when I get through with you, you're just going to be another loser, (laughs) another has-been, and another grease
7: spot on the mat. Uh, Razor Ramon, this uh, feature is called face-to-face. Yeah. Uh, but uh, his un- face. unknown to you, standing by, also via satellite, Brett the Hitman Hart, it could be Ooh. in your face after what Ramon just said. Oh,
9: come you know, it. Gene, Razor Ramon talks about me being a... Uh, uh In a number one seed, I haven't beat anybody, and he's right. It's high time that I got in there and I beat somebody. It's it's time for me to show everybody around the world that I mean business. And Razor Ramon, I am going to wipe you out in the first round of the King of the Ring tournament, and I'm going to go all the way to the top and show everybody that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be.
8: I will be the King of the Ring. Prove it. I'm going to prove it. Yeah, come get it, Chico. I'm easy to find. Six foot six and more handsome than ten movie well, stars. Razor Ramon Calm and the Van Hart, gentlemen, I whistle, thank you yeah. very much. For you, In up, the Chico.
7: opening round, you'll have an opportunity to back up what you have just said. The King of the Ring Tournament coming up a week from this Sunday night, June 13th, exclusively on pay-per-view.
1: So I thought, uh, once again, I think every time these two have a face-to-face, uh, not just the actual face-to-face, but any time these guys are, are dueling promo, Scott Hall seems to come out of the winning end. Here, Bret Hart's just cutting a promo as if nobody's even on the other side at points. I'm the best there is, the best there was, And Scott Hall's, like, talking over him the entire time, and Brett's not even playing into it. He's got to get his shit in.
2: Oh, yeah, of course. He has to get his, his work in, just like he has to get his five moves in. Um,
1: <laughs> even on Papa Shango.
2: I heard that promo on the Raw, the same exact one from Razor. Well, so, that's what uh, I was going to
1: say. I thought he was really clever here with the whole Nutter thing, with the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio, King of the Ring. I thought this was so clever here until I heard him do it about three or four times over these two weeks.
2: Yeah, he, he found something good and then just, you know what, F this. I'm not switching this up. I am going to keep <laughs> thinking
1: of something new every, every promo, Chico. I'm just going to just keep talking about Nutter this, Nutter that.
2: Right. I'm more handsome than ten movie stars, so, so I don't, I don't know what that has to do with anything. But uh, he's a heel. No, good stuff.
1: Yeah, that worked. I guess. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I grabbed it. That's, I mean, obviously, if I grabbed it, I it was either really good or really bad. That's usually the things I grab. So that's what I did there. That was
2: both. Uh, Is yeah. both. Yeah, Razor was good. Brett was bad. That's
1: it. <laughs> that's it. Absolutely. We go back to the ring. It's Kamal. It's Kamala. Now flying solo, he takes on Phil Apollo. It was a month ago, I believe, at least a month ago, the beginning of May. I think you, or the beginning of May, yeah. I think you were still on that. You were on that show uh, where we talked about Slick leaving Kamala on May third. Raw. Here we are over a month later, and they're finally acknowledging Slick being gone on syndication. Only took you know just just a month, Steve, to catch up to Raw. Jesus.
2: Uh, well, we we talked about that earlier on this year with the grenade. How they're like three or four weeks in like three or four weeks old of stuff that's in the can. So um definitely not up to date on syndication. Definitely not.
1: Yeah. And it's not like syndication, 1989 NWA bad where nothing makes any fucking sense. And it's three months behind, but yeah, we're still, we're still, it's still, <laughs> still got to get, get with the program God. here, guys.
2: God, Don't remind me of NWA 89. Holy shit. Poor I don't know if
1: it was just me having a really good time with these shows or if, like all the commentary just got far more fucking hilarious or just just good in general because I really grabbed some. I've never yeah. grabbed commentary sound bites, and there are a few great commentary sound bites I did grab uh, over the course of these two weeks here. And this is the first of many. It's Vince McMahon explaining where Kamala has gone, and then Jerry Lawler giving his side of things. Let's take a listen. I've clipped it up, so it's not the entire match, it's just those parts of the match. We're, we're going to. We're going to listen to those two, and then Macho Man make absolutely no sense in the middle as well.
6: I know where he is. Where? He's in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh huh. He is the pastor of the Mount Ephraim Baptist Church. And Reverend Slick knows full well that he has done as much for Kamala as he possibly can. I mean, oh, after all, he is relying on the general populace to help the ugandan giant out he's gonna have to do it on his own i mean after all all the reverend slick can do is show kamala the way he's done that he showed him the way oh, and with the help of everyone else kamala is going to the top you reverend reverend to you if you don't mind okay I'll anyway, yeah. this hour. kamala 80 i'm telling you that's a rumor you can't deny i mean uh what was that again I'm telling you, that's you what is you a rumor you're going to hear something factual
10: folks you're not going to hear some ridiculous postulation that's true the reverend Slick took Kamala to a psychiatrist because he, Kamala said he was fed up with people you know get yeah, a see wait a minute wait a minute the, there's a vote line on this headline? yes well pick up the phone because I'm going to call right now and vote for the fact that I am already the king vote for me as a king ah oh, please that's all right you'll have one vote big deal Oh, look now see he's confused he's gonna he's gonna regret the fact that he ate slick and look now he did not eat slick <laughs> he did and not only that i heard it was just a just a snack for kamala Ooh. you know slick he was just skin and bones anyway that, that it did not happen when please. you lie
6: you lied big
10: unbelievable
6: kamala having a bit of a problem
1: it's almost like Vince wanted to laugh at points. I feel like <laughs> just like, no, no, he didn't. It's so preposterous. He just keeps it's so simple. Yeah. Kamala ate slick. No, no, he didn't. Oh my God. And I had to get in there too. I, I liked the macho man. Uh, he said he ate slick or whatever. Macho man goes, that's a rumor. You can't deny. I don't even know what the fuck that was supposed to mean. Clearly he caught himself <laughs> because he was like, uh, I don't even know what I just said right there. Uh, huh.
4: <laughs> yeah
2: he clearly caught himself and then at the end he's like when you lie you lie big
1: <laughs> so, oh my god it, yeah and in the middle of all that too else. i picked up that hotline comment because i liked randy savage's quick comeback lawler's gonna go vote for himself that'll be one vote huh so yeah i thought that was, <laughs> it's just a lot of fun this week i thought they really were doing a good job interacting it took six months but i feel like these three guys are finally starting to interact with each other pretty well
2: yeah they're getting there i, I don't know like he didn't he didn't convince like he didn't say it with conviction the line it was just like throwing out there. Yes. And then but he just stopped and let them like did he really just say that? <laughs> Make <laughs> let them take it from there and that's when it turned into gold. Uh they just he just let him go. Like what do you say to that? Kamala ate slick. What what the hell do you say to that?
1: It sounds like a Bobby Heenan line really honestly.
2: It does. It doesn't it's not like your typical Lawler joke, you know, joke book jokes, but right. uh uh, it was, was some. I I was listening. I I usually kind of skim the matches because it's just squashes. No no need to watch. But I loved it how Lawler was like, uh huh, yeah, okay, yeah. He's a, he's at the church. Okay, are you done? Like kind of like just waiting for him to explain where he's really at, just so yeah. he could do his joke. And I I I stuck around and listened because I wanted to hear the payoff, and <laughs> didn't disappoint.
1: No, yeah, and the, the the parts of the match where they weren't talking about Kamala eating slick, they spent the rest of the match, and they did this quite a bit throughout these shows. Yeah. Shilling the WWF Hotline and the King of the Ring uh, back to the match, so Kamala picks up the win with the splash to the back. Even referee Tim White gets involved here explaining to Kamala you got to pin him on his back. Kamala picks up the win two minutes and 44 seconds. Following the match as Kamala's leaving, he's hesitantly shaking hands with some of the fans up the aisleway, which I, I thought was kind of fun, shaking the hands of the kids. So, since Kamala's pretty much done here pretty soon with the company, spoiler there, guys. It's clear at this point, to me, he's going absolutely nowhere. He's becoming a kid's character, like a Bushwhackers or what have you, and really no direction whatsoever. Getting worse as the time goes on at rolling guys over. And this has been going on for six months. That's not even counting when he was having issues as a heel doing it. No character development. He hasn't changed beyond saying the word, Uh, he's not getting any smarter in the ring. Uh, it's clear, creative, if that's what you want to call him here in 93. They simply don't give a shit. They're just kind of throwing him out there, and he's, he's filler at this point. And it's unfortunate for a character like Kamala.
2: Yeah, I mean, how many times can you see him not pin the person correctly before you realize, okay, he finally figures it out? Well, how come he doesn't take that and run with it? And why the hell is Slick worrying about teaching him a word when he still doesn't know how to pin his opponents? The whole object is winning the match and pinning people, not talking. Like, you're not heard when you're not on the mic, so who cares? The number one priority should be getting the wins. I, I think the key is he should have taught him that instead of talking.
1: Yeah, shame on Slick to abandoning Kamala like he did there, just out of the blue. He helped him all he could, apparently, by teaching him one word, amen. Apparently, and that's all it takes. And then it's up to the fans from there. Well, a lot of good they do. <laughs> Poor Kamala, I guess. As uh, we go on with the show, it's the <laughs> promo from Monday Night Raw. We saw it on Raw. I already talked about it in May. But, Steve, I'm going to get your opinion here in a second. It's the 123 Kid, again, wearing his Lucky Raw shirt, as he calls it, declines now $5,000 from Razor Ramon. Stephen, since you weren't part of the May show, I should ask you your thoughts on this, this angle.
2: I like the angle it's pretty cool uh it's different it's unique i don't think it's ever been done again to be fair uh that i could that i could recall of this magnitude i i think it's great for Razor, like okay yeah you got me that time but i want to get you in the ring and i want to beat the crap out of you and i'm going to pay you to allow me to kick your ass so that's cool and then the kid understanding that he got lucky which usually doesn't work when you're trying to establish a name or a, a character but in this sense the look of the one two three kid pays off and it work. it helps him realize okay i'm not getting in the ring i got a family you're just gonna you're just trying to kill me because I, I beat you i'm i embarrassed you it made you look stupid so you just right. you're not out to beat me in a match you're out there to injure me and take me out for good so no no matter money is gonna allow that to happen I'm not gonna get back in there just to get my ass kicked for five grand. That that's nothing. So
1: Million Dollar Man says everybody's got a price, Steve. So we're gonna see if the kid ever ever find or Razor ever finds the price of the kid here.
2: Yeah, and the payoff's good. Yeah, this is good stuff. I don't know who did it or who came up with it, but I like it. I liked it then, I like it now.
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely very cool. And again, I was a huge mark for the Lightning Kids, so I was uh, fully in support of this. And I thought Razor was a perfect foil because, I mean, I, I enjoyed Razor Ramon, the character, at this point as well. And uh, we go yeah. back to the ring. The only problem ring.
2: is is the kids' promos are terrible.
1: <laughs> they they are. I don't know if that's by design or he's just this bad at this point. But he is very young and very green. And even in global, he wasn't yeah. exactly cutting promos for that brief stint he was there either.
2: It's They're pretty rough. But it, it all works. I think it all goes together, and I think it definitely does work. He's some young kid. He could sell it as if he's some young kid off the off the street that you just brought in to be an enhancement guy, and uh, he got the win. So it all works.
1: We go back to the ring for your boy, the narcissist, Lex Luger, taking on Jason Knight of ECW fame, if that's what you want to call it. Lex doesn't want Danny Davis, the referee, to take his mirror away. He has to fix his hair before Davis finally removes the mirror from the ring and the match gets going. Macho Man talks to the king of the ring. Lex Luger versus Tatanka in the first round. Lex covering the forearm. Macho thinks Lex should cover the forearm. but kind of leads into something here. At that point, that's when Luger is having fun with Jason Knight in the ring. He begins flexing and bouncing his tits to and fro, and then Vince comments, "Look at that! Look at the pecs!" Let's hear this play out.
0: Put an elbow pad over that elbow. And I'll guarantee you the Native American will be victorious.
10: You guarantee it? Yeah. Oh, us cover that elbow. Look, look at that! Look at that! Look at that! Look at what? The pecs? What are they?
6: They're pectorals. His chest? Yes. Oh. Okay. Oh. look at that chest! With authority, Luger hammering on night.
10: Watch this. Oh,
1: I just thought that was a fun back and forth between Vince and Lawler. He's like, look at that. Look at that. Look at that pecs. The what? The pectorals. You mean the chest? And I love Vince's. Yes. I've never heard Vince talk like that before. Like it was a weird, weird delivery by Vince. Yes. Okay. He hit him in the chest <laughs> or look at the chest or whatever. So I was, was just fun back and forth again. I, it's like I pointed out, like, Vince and Lawler are really working together really well all of a sudden, more than they have been, I thought, up until this point.
2: Yeah, I think Vince is picking up on Lawler's style a little bit. He's completely different than, you know, Jesse Ventura and those types, so Uh, he's had quite a few people in that chair next to him (laughs) over the course of the last couple years with uh, superstars, so he's dealt with a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities sitting there, so... It may take a little bit of time for him to get warmed up to it, but uh, they're, they're getting there, they're, they're, they're hitting their stride a little bit,
1: yeah. And when I did this uh audio, but I, I named my sound bites obviously. When I named the sound bite, I, I named it Pex, right? And I go, Pex, Lex, Pex, Pex Luger. Why did they drop the ball on that one? I could see him like in a different era, Vince McMahon would totally have given him the name Pex, like a 1920s uh street thug or nya, see, nya. I, could, I could see that. Pex, hey, Pex, Lex Luger coming out. Could you imagine that? Oh, my God. Peck Sluger, everybody. That'll get, that'll get over. That'll yeah. put asses in the seats.
2: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, well, probably just as many as this forearm gimmick does anyway. Speaking of which, the pounce forearm this week, the crisscross, and the forearm plows over Jason Knight, and he searches for the camera to do the pose as he puts his foot on Knight's chest and does the double biceps pose for the win. Two minutes, 32 seconds. We move on. We saw this on Raw. It's the Macho Man going back to school, Uh aha! He tells everybody to stay in school, don't do drugs, dig it! Lawler then, after the video, tells some the Macho Man in school jokes, one of them being the king saying, when Savage was asked where the Declaration of Independence was signed, the Macho Man replied, at the bottom! Vince's response to that was, well, he's right. So Vince McMahon continuing (laughs) with the, with the, uh, the king here on this episode of Superstars, Mr. Hughes to the ring, taking on Russ Greenberg. Of course, Hughes now accompanied by Harvey Wibbleman. We actually get an insert promo from Harvey. He has Hughes in his army now. Of course, that army consists of Hughes and Gonzalez. I don't know that you need much more than that. Every manager wanted Hughes, but somehow Harvey is the one that got him. As Hughes delivers another nasty-looking, weird version of a power bomb, he kind of just lets Greenberg go and fall, fall as he may. Multiple backbreakers. Hughes catches Greenberg's crossbody and just drops him repeatedly down in a backbreaker. Big boot and a sidewalk slam. Mr. Hughes continues to dominate. 2 minutes, 17 seconds. Hughes picks up the win there. It's off to a King of the Ring report, where we hear hear from Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He talks about his match with Bam Bam Bigelow. We also pick up comments from Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna. We're going to hear the closing moments of that promo, and we're going to listen to what Hulk Hogan has to say. And oh boy, Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan has a bone to pick with you, brother. Hulk Hogan, we will take the belt back to Japan, where
5: it belongs. and all the people sort in Japan be dead. very, very happy. It will be in a big, big shrine. WWF heavyweight uh, champion, Yokozuna sh-
4: Batman!
0: You know something, Hulkamaniacs. I got a little bit of a bone to pick with you dudes out there. We're one week away from the greatest challenge of all time. The WWF champion, five times Hulk Hogan, taking on Mr. Pearl Harbor. Mr. 555 pounds of sushi, Yokozuna, guided by that sins of mankind, Mr. Fuji. And the bone I got to pick with you Hulkamaniacs is this one's mine. This is when I take care of all the family business. Oh, yeah, I'm a team player. Whether it's a -a make-a-wish, the Marsha Dimes, hand-in-hand with all my little Hulkamaniacs, or whether it's just laying back on my wide glide in the love ride in Venice Beach, California with 18,000 Harleys by my side. But this one's mine, brothers. All the Hulkamaniacs, all America, the whole world's watching Dayton, Ohio on June 13th. They all want a ringside seat, man. They don't want you, Yokozuna. They know I can handle that. They just want a piece of Mr. Fuji. But it's taken care of. Like I said, all the family business. I've got it scoped right here, brother. These are the eyes of the holster, man. These are the eyes of the maniac. And when I get ready to defend the WWF title to keep what's mine, Yokozuna, you will bow at the feet of Hulk Hogan, brother. In Dayton, Ohio, it's gonna be like the shot kaboom that was heard around the world when I slam your big fat carcass through the mat. But just for a little extra, brother. Jimmy Hart. You've been training, dude. You've been saying your prayers, dude. And I know you've been eating your vitamins. Mr. Fuji, I'm going to turn mad dog Jimmy Hart loose on you, brother, without a muzzle. And when he's done with you, when he's done with you, we'll own both of you dudes. What you going to do, Yokozuna? Bonsai, bonsai.
1: You know, I don't know. 550 pounds of sushi, dude. Is that, like, his go-to? Like Yokozuna is clearly sushi to Hulk Hogan in every promo so far anyway.
2: I guess that was terrible. Mr. Pearl Harbor. Wasn't you the one that snuck your way into a title match at WrestleMania like it wasn't Yoko? Um what the hell was Yoko done to Pearl Harbor anyway, <laughs> really? Uh Yeah, this one's shit. I don't know what his bone to pick is with the Maniacs. He never really said it. It just rambled on and on there. I'll talk about it later on, but I think the one that's coming up next week, Mm -hmm. uh, the six twelve show, I don't mind that promo, and I think it's the best promo that Hogan had in 93. Well, that's not saying a whole lot. That's not saying a whole lot, but I I think he got serious. He was trying to sell the pay-per-view, and it worked. I didn't mind that one. But this one's just over the top and ridiculous.
1: Yeah, well, I wrote, Jimmy
2: Hart act like a dog. Yeah, get the hell out,
1: Mad Dog Jimmy Hart. That's what he called him. Yeah, yeah, sure. So my notes here have just scary. basically been my feeling. I, obviously, he was doing all those other promos at Thunder and Paradise. Those didn't even come off like wrestling promos, really. And here, I wrote these Hogan promos. They just feel so lazy. They feel like house show promos rather than a serious pay per view title match coming up, especially with a guy like Yokozuna, in any other era, Hogan would have took this far more seriously and put over his opponent, and here it's just the 550 pounds of sushi dude and Mad Dog Jimmy Hart and all this other nonsense. We keep saying, and, and, and other people have said in the past too, that Hogan is just out of date here at 93, but let's, let's be honest here, Hogan wasn't cutting promos like this in any other year either, 87, 88, 89, 90, this wasn't a Hulk, typical Hulk Hogan promo. It's like Hulk Hogan in 93 is out of date, but this Hulk Hogan didn't even exist before. These are, promos are far worse than anything
2: he he used to do. I mean, he was over the top and crazy, but it fit into what he was selling before this. I, I almost feel like he's checked out. I, I think well, he,
1: I, he clearly I, knows what's coming.
2: I think he's done. No, well, I get that. But I even like leading into WrestleMania 9, it just didn't feel... It never felt right from the day he came back on Raw until he leaves. It just never felt right. I think he sensed it. I think there's maybe some anger because the fans haven't uh, accepted him back. Uh, he's not getting the reactions that he's accustomed to. Uh, he, he doesn't seem like he's having a good time. Mr. Nanny's coming out. He's doing Thunder in Paradise. It seems like he's he has one foot in Hollywood, and he's liking that life a little bit better. It's a little easier probably. So, this makes me feel like he's just going through the motions and he knows what's coming at King of the Ring. So, he doesn't care and he's just ready to be done. Like, he was, I know he's off for a year after WrestleMania or whatever the case was, but I think he realized that he's done. And if it wasn't for Turner offering him a, a ridiculous amount of money, I'm sure he may have never came back. I, I just, you never know. But money talks, especially with Hulk Hogan. I uh, don't just thinking about him more, I just feel like he's, he's done. Like, he's just ready to go.
1: Yeah, the May 31st Raw, too, the, as the show concludes, Yokozuna and Fuji come out with a promo, and you can, you can clearly hear some of the Manhattan Center crowd chanting, Hogan sucks in the background. You would have never have heard that prior to this time period. So, yeah, it's a different, different world for Hulk Hogan here in 1993. We go back to the ring, though. It's the Smoking Guns taking on Dale Wolfe and Gus Kanarakis. Double Russian leg sweep on Gus. So remember earlier, Brett did the Russian leg sweep, a finger to Virgil. This time it's a double middle finger to Virgil. Take that verge as the guns with a double Russian here. And then the revolver, that nasty revolver. I can't wait to see how long it takes them before they change up their finisher because this is not working out very well. These poor job guys get backdropped by Billy Gunn into a bark pile driver that ugh, damn near kills Dale Wolfe here. The guns pick up the easy win, two minutes and 13 seconds. And I said it before, I'll say it again here, these guys, the Smoking Guns, Billion Barred Gun, might have been good. They might have been really good, for all I can tell, but it was hard getting past the whole outdated cowboy gimmick. And I don't mean outdated because there haven't been cowboys on TV in, in decades. I mean outdated as in a cartoon. And I just don't think they ever really catch on or get over to the degree maybe they could have had they just been wrestlers.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I never really cared the smoking guns it's like oh cool it's a new team that's cool um but it was that's really all it was it wasn't like oh these guys are tremendous like it's not like a rockers or a heart foundation or even the russo brothers i don't think like to where all oh, these guys are cool i like watching him it was never like that i was like oh smoking guns are on i don't know if it's the gimmick or i just didn't give a shit but uh they could definitely Work in the ring and uh, obviously, look at Billy Gunn's career. Look at he's still going, so uh, he has longevity. We seen his ass in the grenade in '89 with, with NWA, so
4: mm-hmm.
2: he's 30 years strong here, still going, so clearly he has talent. But it, it, it didn't work for me, I never clicked with the, the smoking guns.
1: Yeah, never, never worked for me either. And we're going to close out this episode with a couple of face to face promos. And thanks to Howie D pointing out how good some of the localized face-to-faces were. I've been watching superstars on the Peacock, and then I've been going back to my old footage and watching superstars face-to-faces from the local market so I could pick up some extra promos here, some fun ones. So first, we're going to focus on the generic face-to-face. It's the one on the Peacock. They're talking about all about the King of the Ring. We hear from Mr. Perfect, and then we go face-to-face with Shawn Michaels and Crush, who have an upcoming match at the King of the Ring as well.
7: From Kona, Hawaii, Crush, and the former Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels. Get rid of that gum, Mr. Michaels. Shut up. Well, don't start with me. Crush, this one is a rematch actually ordered by President Jack Tunney of the World Wrestling Federation.
0: First of all, Shawn Michaels got me disqualified from the King of the Ring. Then, the title got put on the line, brother. One thing after another. No, it's not going to be a title match, but I'm not going to take anything away from Marty Jannetty. He deserved that, brother. I want to congratulate him firsthand. Shawn Michaels! In the king of the ring, brother, you still gotta step into the ring with crush. Oh well, and Everybody you knows shut your bow when you hey, is gonna bad, be you guys? The crush. Why don't punk? you keep it down? <laughs> everybody knows this is a plot against Shawn Michaels. First Mr. Perfect throws me through a windshield, then Marty Jannetty walks back into my life and takes everything from me. And now this big idiot from Hawaii wants to crush my skull in. Well I got news for Crush, and everybody in the World Wrestling Federation, I have stood the test of time, and you, my man, are gonna first man To go down on my way back to the top. Talk is cheap, brother. We'll see at the King of the Ring. Aloha.
7: (laughs) Ogreland, you're going to pay for this, too, you sap. What do you mean I'm going to pay for it? I had nothing to do with it. I just am reporting the facts, as it were. As part of the King of the Ring on Sunday, June 13th, Crush, meeting Shawn Michaels, join us on Pay-Per-View.
1: Boy, they used to love that outro saxophone music, didn't they? They used that shit for years. Variations of the sax.
2: Sounds good.
1: <laughs> uh, takes you back to other times. Shawn Michaels scheduled to take on Crush at the King of the Ring. Yeah, that's that's one way to use. That's one way to use the face to face. Here's another way: localized promo upcoming that Madison Square Garden card on June 12th. I talked about one of the matches being the Undertaker and the Giant Gonzalez. Let's listen to that one.
7: Joining us this week, face to face. Are gonna be locking up with each other. The Undertaker with Paul Bear in his corner. And welcome to the Big Apple, the eight foot tall Giant Gonzalez with Pee Wee Whippleman in his corner.
5: You better watch your mouth, Gene, Uncleman, because you're gonna end up the same way the Undertaker's fixing to end up. And that's flat on his back. See, Undertaker, you made a big mistake. When you sign for another match with the giant Gonzalez. Cause what's gonna happen, see, it's real simple. Your career is fixing to be over. And there's nothing you or Paul Bear is gonna be able to do about
7: it. Uh, Paul Bear and Undertaker, gentlemen, you just heard what Harvey Whippleman had to say. He says this thing is a done deal. May not even have to show up. The match is gonna be over before it starts. Exactly.
5: He's the one that made the fatal mistake, Mr. Okerlund. And, oh, yes, it will be the end of the giant Gonzales. My undertaker will reach into his head and pull out his eyeballs and spit into the open sockets of his dead skull.
7: whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh. Paul Bear, you paint a very grim picture. And I don't know if it is affecting the Giant Gonzalez or not, but but can I hear from the Undertaker? Is that a possibility?
0: Actually, Mr. Oakland, the only questions now that need be answered are what we'll do with the rotting carcass of one Giant Gonzalez.
7: Gonzalez Whippleman, rest in peace. Gotta make you nervous. Madison Square Garden, the Giant Gonzalez, and the Undertaker one week from tonight. Don't miss it.
1: Paul Bear having a little fun there, Steve. Uh, wow, gonna rip rip out the <coughs> Giant Gonzalez's eyeballs and spit into his sockets. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you don't hear that on, on the normal TV promos. Clearly a face-to-face row you can get away with that, though.
2: I guess. Good Lord. Paints a pretty grim picture. (laughs) Indeed.
1: Oh, man. That's going to happen. We got more of that coming up next week here, too. But uh, we close out Superstars. It's a replay for some reason of Bret Hart beating Papa Shango with the sharpshooter. I guess they needed to fill 30 seconds of time as we move on. WWF WWF Mania for June 5th with Todd Pettengill. Mania exclusive taped back on May 24th in Halifax. It's El Matador over Fatu with the Head Shrinkers. By disqualification, in 5 minutes, 17 seconds, when Samu interferes after Santana lands the flying forearm finisher on Fatu. After the bout, the head triggers attack Tito, but Tito clears house, so Santana getting thrown a bone here, even if it was only a disqualification win, and then he clears the uh, ring of the, of the head shrinkers. Arriba, or Ole, or, or something, I suppose. As we move on to June 6th and WWF Wrestling Challenge. Tape back on May 5th in Portland, Maine at the Exposition Building. We kick off the show with the King's Court. Jerry Lawler interviews Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna. I wrote, wait, aren't they doing a King's Court with Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna on Raw tomorrow night? So this seemed a a, a little uh, misplaced, if you will. They really feed Lawler some bad guests here, Steve. I'm sure you watched the other ones. At first, it was the Giant Gonzalez. Then it was Luna Vachon, which... Had they not done comedy bits, that would have that would have been a major flop as well. And now Mr. Fuji out here to cut a promo with poor Jerry Lawler. I guess maybe they expected Lawler to carry these guys, and maybe that's why they had him out here. But, man, he, he needs something to work with at least a few times.
2: Yeah, it doesn't get much better going forward. So <laughs> uh, I thought he did okay here, though. He didn't do too bad.
1: No, it was it was actually kind of okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that much. Fuji says all he did was issue a challenge at WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. They never signed a title match. He never asked for a match for the title. Uh, this time a contract was signed. Of course, the announcers contradict Fuji here. They say he absolutely said it would be for the title, and I believe he did without going back and checking myself. But Fuji telling the heels version of the story anyway, he says Hulk Hogan will be smashed and squashed by Yokozuna and at king of the ring and then the japanese emperor will declare a national holiday if yokozuna wins it's going to be yokozuna day steve i'd love to have seen that jerry lawler brings up how hulk hogan hasn't been defending his title for the past couple of months but rather hogan has been busy in hollywood then lawler makes some jokes at the expense of the hulkster fuji tells hulk hogan to hit the gym because at king of the ring it'll be sayonara boy Clearly Hulk Hogan wasn't around, nor would he, uh, I I can't see him agreeing to do any angles on TV leading up to this match, Steve, but other than that, the fact that we know it's the end of Hulkamania here, and I know that in advance, at least for the time being, this match has had really no build beyond the initial story at WrestleMania, which should be big and you would think that would be enough with Hogan beating Yokozuna for a title, the, the WWF title, but there's just nothing here. It's been two and a half months of nothing, and then we get the rematch.
2: Yeah, it's, that's kind of what I remember from Hogan. Like, if you don't watch syndication, you don't see Hogan hardly at all. I mean, I know he does promos on the the King of the Ring report and things like that, but for the most part, you just don't get him. He wasn't on TV. You didn't see him on Raw at all. So it's it was enough to sell me. Um, I got this pay-per-view, so I... I I just bought it. I got him anyway. It didn't matter what was on the show. I was looking forward to it. I wanted to see the rematch, but no, it was very, looking at it now, there's like absolutely no build and it's like, oh my God, this is for your WWF title. There's nothing here. It's uh, pretty sad. Yeah. It makes uh, you think like how terrible of a decision it was for Vince to agree to this shit.
1: Well, I think they said that in hindsight, but again, remember Hogan went back on what the original plans were supposed to be moving forward, and that really screwed screwed all of this up.
2: Yeah, but what was going to happen at King of the Ring if that was supposed to be SummerSlam?
1: Yeah, that uh, that I have no idea. But I mean, there was an end game and plan, and you know Hogan obviously went right back on that immediately after getting the belt physically. Okay, I won it now, so now I don't have to keep keep my word, brother. Which we we see that going forward <laughs> plenty, and even in WCW.
2: Yeah, for sure
1: wrestling challenge opens up after king's court with a new intro video no it's not a completely different music or anything like that but they changed out a lot of the clips to keep it nice and fresh as we go to the ring for our opening match the steiner brothers taking on pj walker and dwayne gill i wrote dwayne gill makes a perfect crash test dummy for the steiners he's worked them repeatedly at this point and man uh they love throwing him around the ring and apparently i wrote so does pj walker as they destroy him as well poor future aldo montoya here Scott Steiner busts out the Steiner screwdriver to Walker. Heenan calls it a pileplex or a super driver. Jim Ross like the names. Really? The Steiner Screwdriver. There, and it's the Frankensteiners if he needed to do anything else. To Dwayne Gill, the Steiners pick up the win two minutes and fifty-five seconds. What do you make of these Steiner screwdrivers?
2: Uh, it's one of my favorite moves because people just get killed with them. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what made my me and my friend love moves when you get like dropped on your head so the steiners were always one of our favorites i love it when he does it. i think it's to mike enos and wcw i know he does it to him and that dude just gets dumped on his head poor poor blake beverly he's been dumped on his head by scott steiner more than anybody i think um outside of the the head shrinkers no good shit man i love that move
1: As we move on with the show, it's the clip of the 123 kid once again turning down the five grand offered by Razor Amon. And back to the ring, it's time for Mr.
6: Bomb. Mr. Adam Bomb.
1: Accompanied to the ring by Johnny Polo taking on Chris Simpson here. During the match, we get an insert promo from Johnny Polo and Adam Bomb. In the ring, Bomb continues to show off his agility. This time nails a standing dropkick during the match, and the power bomb, which at this point is called the Adam Bomb, that's A-T-O-M. Picks up the win in one minute and 38 seconds. Adam Baum continues to win his matches thus far. And it's off to another face-to-face as Mean Gene talks Boston Gardens on this particular episode. And we have a face-to-face between Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and their match coming up on on June 26th in Boston. During the commercial break, it's the full-fledged Royal Rumble Super Nintendo commercial. And the only reason I'm bringing that up, guys, I'm going to throw that up on youtube very soon so be on the lookout for that pretty cool commercial i didn't really remember this extended commercial version so i got a kick out of it and back on tv that was very cool i'm glad you saw that yeah it was really good stuff yeah as we come back to tv it was so good it was so nice steve they have to play it twice on every show and i'm thankful i'm grateful and it's not even survivor series time uh it's hacksaw jim duggan the powerful new force and usa the music video USA! 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 Was uh, was young Steve jamming to USA back in 1993? Tell the truth. Nope. oh come on. Nope. Oh man. <laughs> Very good. The show moves on. It's Owen Hart returning from his knee injury, taking on Ricky Rich. So back from the knee injury, but I noticed moving very slow around the ring. He didn't look like he was crippled or hobbled like Razor Ramon was there when he was trying to work on the knee, but he was favoring the knee. Not necessarily that it in, that that it was hurting him, but he was just taking gentle care of it. Although he does hit a nice spin kick at the end of the match before he goes into the Northern Lights suplex, which is apparently now his finisher. Owen picks up the win pretty fast in a minute and 45 seconds. I wrote his offense here was pretty bland in general. None of the fun tricks and flips around the ring. No backflip into the ring. No flashy moves here other than that spin kick, which looked pretty nice. Owen took it very careful and then picks up the one with the Northern Lights suplex. Did you, did you catch that? Or
2: Yeah, it seemed like he didn't do anything. And yeah. then he hit that spin kick and it was over. Uh, I did like how Jim Ross talked about how Owen's been out with a knee injury, and it's good to have him back, so um Jim Ross bringing the realism to the WWF was pretty nice to right. hear, but yeah, there was really no offense at all. Um I was surprised. I was like, oh, cool, Owen's back. I want to see what he does, see some of his stuff. And Nothing. Nope, you didn't get any of it. You got a nice Northern Lights, and he hooked the leg out of that, which is pretty cool, but um I still it was it was very basic. My notes here was basic offense, if, if if you want to call it that.
1: Yeah, no doubt. My my question really was when I when I got through watching this match was why send him out to the ring and put him back on TV if he wasn't completely ready? And that's you know it's just he didn't do anything,
2: so it was just really odd. I'm wondering if if it's like what you said, if he's just hesitant, so he just needs reps to see how test the knee. Right. Um, I guess you could do that with the ring set up and camera's not rolling that's also that's also what dark
1: matches are for right i mean this didn't have to air so but i do like that they're trying to get Owen back on tv though they they don't really do a whole lot with him here for quite a while
2: yeah yeah for sure it's just i I'm, i'm assuming he probably he's probably like his brother in the sense that he wants reps so he probably felt good and wanted to test it and when he went out there maybe he just wasn't feeling it so who knows
1: yeah, for sure. He definitely uh, took good care of the leg here in this match. As we move on in between matches, we saw the Steiners playing Royal Rumble on Superstars here on Wrestling Challenge. It's the B Show, so we get the B Team of the Smoking Guns. The B Syndicated Show, I should say. We get the Smoking Guns here playing the Royal Rumble video game this week. And Shawn Michaels in the ring scheduled to take on Greg Johnson. And Shawn now in the midst of a feud with Crush, which will be over in just a few weeks. But he's also in the feud with the Marty Jannetty. And he's also in a feud with Mr. Perfect. This week, Sean picks on Mr. Perfect. I don't know if you caught this. When he removes his chaps here, he spits his gum out and tries to swat it, but completely misses. As the match gets going, Bobby Heenan added again on commentary. He says, Sean Michaels is being jobbed by the WWF. He said it about himself at WrestleMania. He said he was being jobbed having to ride a camel. Then he said Yokozuna was jobbed to Hulk Hogan. And now he uses the term for the third time in the last couple months, Sean being jobbed By the WWF. Uh, Action goes on. Shawn Michaels nails the super kick, but he's not done yet. He picks up Greg Johnson, hooks him in a front face lock, and says, now you're going to see a perfect plex, a direct shot to Mr. Perfect. As Shawn Michaels picks up the win with the perfect plex. In two minutes and 28 seconds. I didn't remember this from my childhood. I really enjoyed this.
2: Yeah, it was cool. It's so crazy that you mentioned Shawn's in a match with Crush at King of the Ring. Lost the belt to Marty, so he's still feuding him. He has a feud with Perfect going on. This guy's all over the place, and really no—he's like just feuding with anyone and everyone. Like it, So, he Insane, he's getting job by the WWF kind of fits uh, because he's getting everybody thrown his way. But um, he's doing well with it, and they do a good job using the, the tools at their disposal. So, in the ring, he's using the Perfect Plex to continue the feud with Perfect, the face-to-face with Crush to set up the match at King of the Ring. Obviously, the house show runs is Sean and Marty, so um, all in all, like they're doing a good job of compartmentalizing his views, but all, ma- also making them all relevant. Good by them, but I Can't... did pick up on the gum, and I thought that was funny.
1: Yeah, it was good stuff because he misses it and kind of plays it off. I don't think he was supposed to miss it, but it's not as easy as it looks. Though, uh, me and my brother both mastered that art at a young age swatting the gum I mean
2: yeah I do I do it every time every time I have gum when I'm outside I'm spitting it out and doing a Mr. Perfect (laughs) you're not a wrestling fan unless you do
1: it's uh king of the ring report time we hear from Yoko Zuna, Hulk Hogan Bret Hart I think the Hogan and Yoko promos were actually the same ones from Superstar so we'll go back to the ring and we just saw a perfect plex from Shawn Michaels but now Steve you're gonna see the real perfect plex Hennig picks up the win and how's this for some worthless trivia perfect and Shawn Michaels both win with the Perfect Plex in two minutes and twenty-eight seconds on the same show. <laughs>
2: Good times.
1: So we go into our final match of the program. It's Doink taking on some fellow, but with the last name of Armstrong. Though I'm not exactly sure who. <laughs> Remember Tom Italy from a few episodes ago? It was the Italian Stallion. Somebody online decided to name him Tom Italy, which we we found quite amusing. Here on uh, on this match, it's supposed to be Doink taking on a guy by the name of Louis Armstrong, which I started Louis Armstrong. Are you serious? This guy's name's not Louis Armstrong. So I waited until I actually watched the match myself. He doesn't get a chiron, so I can't figure out what the hell his name is. But it's definitely two syllables, and it doesn't sound anything like Louis. I did notice there was a fellow by, name, by the name of Kevin Armstrong doing jobs around this time for the WWF might've been him though. It didn't really sound like Kevin either. Then on commentary, Jim Ross is usually really good at saying the, the job guys names. He always got that in Vince wouldn't do it all the time. Gorilla had no idea, but Jim Ross, he tried to give the jobbers their due. He would always mention their names. Even he was no help here as he referred to Mr. Armstrong as Bert Centeno. And it was clearly not Bert Centeno whatsoever. So Jim Ross doesn't have the right the match sheet either. During the match, Bobby Heenan says we're going to see Hulk Hogan wrestle for the last time. Jim Ross seems to agree, since Hogan has not defended his title due to charity appearances and roles in Hollywood. I always thought that was interesting during this period. Usually you have the babyfaces defending the babyface wrestlers, especially Hulk Hogan. And then the heels going for the heels. Here, heading into this King of the Ring and, and this Doink match throwaway, obviously. Doink, I should mention, picks up the win. With the stump puller, but in, into a pinfall, Doink wins in two minutes thirty-five seconds. But this match, really, the commentary was more about the title match at, at King of the Ring between Hogan and Yoko and Jim Ross. All show was siding with Heenan. Yes, I agree with you. Hogan's not ready. He's not prepared. He's out in Hollywood. He's not. Gonna, he has no chance at beating Yokozuna. So they know what's coming, and everybody kind of burying Hogan on the way into the pay per view.
2: Can't say I blame him. <laughs> I I, I mentioned it earlier like Ross bringing in realism to me like Ross always looks at everything through the spectrum of like college football or a football game and if you're not preparing and you're not doing film and you're not getting the reps in how good can you be even if you are the champion you still got to put in the work to keep it even though it's a entertainment business Um, you still got to do the reps and still stay active and busy in the ring and things like that so it just makes sense that Jim Ross would agree with Bobby Heenan. I know you're not really supposed to in kayfabe world. You're, you're a face commentator and he's the heel. You got to disagree just because of the role you play, but the facts are facts. And uh, I think uh, that's where Jim Ross is coming from. It's pretty unique and cool and different for the time that he would do that for sure.
1: As we close out this episode of wrestling Challenge, it's another edition of face to face. As we talk more about the Boston Garden Show on June 26th, one of the matches on that show, Money Incorporated taking on the Mega Maniacs. Yes, unfortunately, I did grab that soundbite because it's just that awful. Let's take a listen.
7: Joining us face-to-face this week, the current World Wrestling Federation (laughs) Tag Team Champions, Money Incorporated, and their opponents and challengers... The they are the mega, the what? The thieves. Right. They stole our money at WrestleMania yeah. and gave it to all
9: those tax cheats in Vegas. They're going to pay.
5: What? One thing they didn't steal, Irwin, though, and they didn't get away with, was these right here. <laughs> Nothing's well,
0: gonna the change. only reason we don't have those right there is we didn't have
7: Slaughter there. But now we do. <laughs> oh, how convenient. Whoa, that deserves hey. a, an well, explanation. I, Sergeant I, Slaughter I, is the guest referee. I, yes. I gotta tell you got to I gotta tell the truth.
0: I got to tell the truth. You know that check that you guys sent Slaughter to referee the match? Well, it bounced. Well, we covered it with your money. (laughs)
4: What check? What (laughs) check
0: are you talking about? You lying? Thieving! thieves <laughs> The money we stole from you in Wrestlemania! We covered Slaughter's and check with your money, dude! <laughs> we never sent Slaughter
7: a check, did we, <laughs> No, no, that doesn't mean that we won't. Hey, wait a minute, I, I get the feeling I, there's a lot of dancing around going here. What, what about this, uh, Ted DiBiase and Irwin? Did you send Sergeant Slaughter a check? No, that's preposterous. What that kind doesn't of a man, man do you can't think be Slaughter is? Hey.
9: hey, Slaughter can be our friend for the right amount of money. And the megamorons are going to learn that. But right now... All we're concerned about is keeping our titles
7: because they're ours and not yours. <laughs> Brutus the Barber Beefcake, uh, how's, the, how's the face mask holding up for you? You know something? They ought to give up on that
5: armor-piercing uh, suitcase of theirs, <laughs> that beef case, well, because it almost knocked his head off in WrestleMania. <laughs> we've already got a new face mask order
0: for Brutus, and it says... WWF Tag Team Champion, right off top. Oh. Yeah, I got one for me <laughs> too. I get a new face. Period. Admission of guilt. Yes. They couldn't get the job done at WrestleMania. You get the briefcase, and you talk about a weapon. That thing you're wearing, Beatcake, is a weapon. You should have Thank no right you, wearing you I shoot That'll be when Brother, Money Incorporated defense
7: against the Mega oh, Sergeant we'll Slaughter, to referee.
1: What a train wreck these face-to-faces can be at times. That was uh, definitely one of those train wrecks. Uh, Hulk Hogan proclaiming that, uh, unbeknownst clearly to Money Incorporated going into this promo, that they had sent Sergeant Slaughter a check and it had bounced for some odd reason, Then Hogan paid the check for them? I I don't even understand that. The money they stole at WrestleMania, which makes no sense. That contradicts what Hogan said a couple weeks ago. Back in the May show, I played this for everyone. Hogan cuts a promo where he says they took the money and put it into the Hulk Hogan party fund. Then he proclaimed that they took all kinds of vitamins that night in the party. I said, oh boy. Yeah, powdered white vitamins, I'm sure. Hulk Hogan now uh, proclaiming they've also paid Sergeant Slaughter off with with Money Incorporated's money here. And those those awful fake laughs throughout this entire thing. What a mess. Yeah,
2: they didn't care. (laughs) They just... You gotta do. You gotta do uh, TV promos. Oh, shit. So they're just having fun with it, I guess, if that's what they consider fun. But it made absolutely no sense. It was a train wreck, like you said. And yeah, it made me want to pay to see the match. Sure, I'm ready should. to go. I'm ready to go to the Boston Garden. Heading, yeah, heading to the Boston
1: Garden. And uh, man, right now, man, Hulk play. Hogan in the Boston Garden. That's changed quite a bit in the last few years here, for sure. Ah, uh, oh my gosh, Jesus. what terrible stuff! You know, and they cut a promo, face-to-face promo, the two teams did, heading into Winnipeg, and it was actually pretty good for what it for Money Incorporated and, and Hogan and Beefcake. It was pretty good, and this is just a train wreck. They don't, they don't give a, a shit at this point. I think he's been into the uh, Hulk Hogan Party Fund again, if you ask me, brother. And we move on to All American June sixth with Gene Okerlund and Bobby Heenan and the green screen this week. They're Oceanside in another storm. Bobby rocking a fishing pole throughout this episode of All-American. Gorilla and the Wizard. Can we go nine weeks in a row, Steve? Well, I kind of marked out because Mean Gene throws it to Gorilla and the Wizard for the opening bout. But when we get there, the Wiz is gone. So clearly All-American taped a different day than when they were in the studios doing commentary. The voiceovers, because it's actually Gorilla Monsoon and Jim Ross now. So even though Gene throws it to the Wizard, Jim Ross replaces the Wizard here on commentary with Gorilla on all-American. So the the reign of the Wizard, the commentary booth, Bruce Pritchard. For those who haven't been following, uh, eight weeks in total, which is probably more than double what I, I originally remembered it being. So somehow the Wizard lasted eight weeks, though. Although he is gone now. Eight weeks. This week's impressive. all. It was. If that's well, that's a word. I guess it's a word. I don't know if it's the word I'd use, but yeah, impressive, sir. We go to this week's All-American exclusive tape May 25th in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Crush fights Razor Ramon to a double countout in approximately 11 minutes post-match. Crush took the mic and said no one wanted to see a countout and they wanted to see a one, two, three, which leads the crowd in chanting one, two, three at Razor Ramon as Crush pleaded with Ramon to get back into the ring to continue the match, but Ramon teases getting back in the ring, but then leaves ringside. So even Crush getting in on the 1-2-3 chant. Everybody trying to get that over. Next week, it's announced Tatanka will team with the Steiner brothers against Doink the Clown and Money Incorporated in a two-out-of-three-fall six-man tag team match. Wow, that's that's intriguing. We move on to WWF on TSN. For June 6th, we see face-to-face the Canadian version hosted by Raymond Rougeau and the WWF coming to Edmonton One of the matches on the show is Kamala versus Mr. Hughes. We hear from Harvey Whippleman what he has to say about his former charge, the Ugandan giant Kamala.
3: And then the Ugandan giant Kamala faces Mr. Hughes, who is represented by the man standing by right now, joining me face-to-face, Harvey Whippleman. You know what?
5: I really like coming to Edmonton. But then again, I like scabies. Let me tell you something right now, Ray Rouge, yo. Kamala, the Ugandan giant, a big, strong, tough individual, but little bitty pea-brain, you know what I'm talking about. See, Kamala, I taught you everything that you know, but I didn't teach you everything that I know. Mr. Hughes, on the other hand, is a very, very intelligent man. He's as big as you are, he's as strong
3: as you are, hey, he's as mean as you are. Harvey Whippleman, Harvey Whippleman, is what? it true that Mr. Hughes is a common thug from the streets of Kansas City? No, it's not true. He's a very uncommon thug.
5: In fact, he's the number one thug from the streets of Kansas City. And you know what? I've got my ink pen here, and I'm going to circle that date on my calendar for Edmonton, because you're going to see the number one thug in the United States. Get rid of that big, fat, ugly, bow-headed Kamala
3: once and for all. All right. Thank you very much, Harvey Whippleman. Now, standing by right now, the former Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, you'll be facing Mr. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, claim perfect. he is responsible for you losing your title.
9: I claim, first of all, Ray, would you please
0: refrain from calling me former champion. It's a title you've earned. It is, it is the title that Mr. Perfect thrusts upon me. Not only Mr. Perfect, but Marty Jannetty are the corporate heads of the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, so now Federation. we have a conspiracy. Yes, that's what I've been telling you all this time. But you, like everybody else, seems to think that Shawn Michaels isn't a man of his word. Why? I don't know. I've never done anything to anybody. But now, Mr. Perfect, now a man who is responsible for the demise of my career. I mean, I was... in limousines, first class. You are right. Now I'm riding coach and get my own rental car. This has got to stop. I'm Shawn Michaels. The wrestler of the nineties and Mister Perfect, you, my man, are a thing of the past, and I'm gonna put you in your place once and for all. Oh.
1: So, a couple of back-to-back promos there. I thought they were fun. Shawn Michaels cuts a good promo there with Mister Perfect, but Harvey Wilpleman always uh, always has something fun, a little hidden gems in some of his uh, comments and things. I-, I marked out when he called a pen an ink pen because it's kind of Southern talk, and I mean, what else do you? What else is a pen, But uh, my grandparents always called it an ink pen, so I marked out for that. But I love when Raymond Rougeau asks if Mister Hughes is a common thug, to which Harvey replies, "No, he's an uncommon thug." So Harvey Levin always gets good good one liners. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, good stuff. Harvey's underrated.
1: Yeah, you know, whenever he would he's, pop up he on ra- radio WWF, shit. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, whenever he was on radio WWF, he'd call in and just some of the hilarious shit he would say. Because again, nobody gave a shit on that show. You know, he would uh, he'd talk <laughs> literally call from a payphone when he lived in the trailer park at times, and, and he'd like, I gotta go call you from home. The Skeeters are biting me. Just hilarious shit, even un- unintended hilarious shit from, from Harvey Wiffleman all the time. Uh, we go on with this TSN episode, though. There's more face-to-face, Steve, and you're going to love this one. It may be the very first, maybe the only time Bret Hart has ever made me pop during one of his promos, so you guys are going to have to listen to this one. Take a listen to it. Bret Hart has to say in this face-to-face. He and Lex Luger are coming to Calgary to the Saddle Dome as part of the Calgary Stampede going on this summer. And, of course, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, if you will. They're bringing the WWF there for the Calgary Stampede. And it's face-to-face Lex Luger versus Bret Hart in an upcoming Lumberjack match. And in the main event, these
3: two men will go at each other in a Lumberjack match. There will be wrestlers all around the ring to prevent anyone from entering or leaving the ring. Joining me now, face to face, the excellence of execution, Bret Hart and the narcissist, Lex Luger. Now, Lex Luger, at WrestleMania 9, you cheap-shotted Bret Hart from behind, knocked him out cold, then you've been gloating about the fact that you claim responsibility for him losing his title. Now you will face the consequences.
0: You know, Ray, I don't need to cheap-shot anyone. This right here, my friend right here, is just one weapon in an unlimited arsenal at the disposal of the narcissist Lex Luger at any given time. No wrestler has ever been in the World Wrestling Federation that wrestles like me, nor looks like me. So, put the Hitman Hart, I'm going to make a firm believer out of you, and I'm using you as a stepping stone any way I have to to get to the very top of the World Wrestling Federation. Your day has come. Now it's my turn, so what do you
9: think of that? You know are I think? What? Million dollar body and a ten cent brain. That's what I think, Lex Luger. You got a great physique, but you know something? That doesn't that doesn't make any difference to me because you know what? I'm a technical wrestler. I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. You've never I faced anything like me before. I am the best there has ever been in the World Wrestling Federation when it comes to technical wrestling. And you know something? I look forward. I mean, I actually dream about stepping in the ring with you and taking you and your big steel plate in your arm and your stupid horse face and punching you out and kicking you from one end of that ring to the other for one simple reason. You know what that is? I don't I'm like Say something bodybuilders. Worthwhile. I don't like you or Say anything something you stand worthwhile. for. And I am going to prove to you that wrestling is the name of the game. This isn't bodybuilding. This is wrestling. And you're stepping in the ring with the finest wrestler there has ever been. And I look forward to it, Lex Luger. Well, keep I on thinking I'm just a
0: bodybuilder because that works to my advantage because you have never, ever stepped in a ring with a person with my physical requirements, my what I possess ever in your career in the World Wrestling Federation. But you got
3: no brain horse face All right, That's thank no you very much, brain. gentlemen. Fans, no a you got lot no- to look forward to with this matchup.
1: Oh, your stupid horse face. Bret Hart makes me pop. (laughs) He's got no brain horse face. Hennig had fun with it back in the May show. I played that for everyone. And now, and Mean Gene's been in on it too in the past. And now Bret Hart, everybody reminds Lex Luger that he, he, maybe he resembles a horse in the face, I I guess. I guess. You can see this rib clearly going around backstage when Bret Hart's getting in on it and trying to have humor. Oh, man, you, you you know you're onto something. You know it's bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah 100%. So. <laughs> Bret Hart never really no, takes these uh, type of shots. Now, you know the whole I hate bodybuilders thing now. I believe that. That's a Bret Hart line for sure.
2: I <laughs> believe uh, that 100%. Yeah. I, I believe everything Brett was saying there. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 he's not making anything up.
4: Nah, horse I, face. That's all
2: him. That, and horse face and he hates bodybuilding and it takes more than a good look. I mean, cause that's what held him down his whole career up to this point Right. was guys that look good. So he probably does resent it and hate it because he knows he's better than them in the ring. And to him, that's what matters. It's all about making money and yeah, ain't well, making any money in 1987. So
1: well, I'm he sure wants to make money. Paid.
2: He better get on a house show with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Willis. As we move on to Monday right. night raw for June 7th. We're live in the Manhattan Center. You know, last week, Vince McMahon promised the Fink would be back this week, but it's still Bill Dunn in the ring as he introduces the new Intercontinental Champion. You heard me right. No, not Marty Jannetty. It's Shawn Michaels, and he makes his way out. He has regained the title, it appears. I don't know what the hell's going on. Shawn Michaels out with some big dude behind him who, hey, that's Vinny Vegas, Steve. And so I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Shawn Michaels coming out. He's the new champion. He's got Vinny Vegas with him. I wrote... Wham! Bam! What the fuck just happened? That's what was going through my mind at that point in time in 1993. Marty had just won the title. We didn't see very often quick title changes, as I say that, coming out of WrestleMania 9 and Hogan beating Yoko right after Yoko won the belt, but we didn't see fast title changes too often. And we're going to see that here. We saw it here with the Intercontinental title, and we're going to see it here with the tag titles later on in June. But holy shit. As uh, Raw kicks off, Shawn Michaels is announced as the new Intercontinental Champion makes his way out to the ring. On the other side of the intro video, Sean cuts a promo ringside and he introduces this new guy, this bodyguard, as his insurance policy. Sean, now a two-time WWF Intercontinental Champion, having defeated Marty Jannetty last night, the night before, this episode of Raw in Albany, New York. Sean Michaels, once again, Intercontinental Champion. What did you make of this back then? Such a quick turnaround.
2: I thought it was crazy. Like, you know, you see Marty come back and I thought he was over and the match was really good. And I, like you said, you're just trained to think that these title runs are going to be for an extended period of time. And then right. three weeks later, four weeks later, you hop on the TV and Sean's coming back out with the belt. And it's like, damn, I missed it. When did this happen? And that's I think that's what bothered me more than anything is that they did these things on house shows quite a bit. Ninety two, ninety three, where title changes didn't happen on TV. So you couldn't see them. I think that's what pissed me off more than anything. But
4: yeah, absolutely. I I
2: thought it was crazy. I thought it was crazy. Like you said, it's just not what you expect when somebody wins a title, especially when you have a hot feud like Sean and Marty, even though it's had its stop and starting points numerous times now. Marty was still over when he took his hat off and took his hood down. He he got a pop. So Marty was over. And uh, it was pretty crazy that they just took it right off of him after a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, I certainly didn't see it coming, and like you, you know, like we were talking about, you're kind of groomed to believe that these title runs are going to last, and then it's like, well, I don't understand what the hell just happened. We just told the story of Janetti finally getting his, you know, Michaels finally getting his come up. It's from Janetti, and it's like the good guy finally wins. And no, not necessarily, not when you're Marty Janetti. Anyway, Shawn Michaels, once again the Intercontinental Champion, he steps in the ring to take on Russ Greenberg here tonight with Kevin Nash, the former Vinnie Vegas, the former Oz, in his corner still a nameless bodyguard here as Macho Man repeatedly inquires, what's his name? Macho Man really wanting to know the name of Kevin Nash here, but the WWF doesn't know yet, Steve, so we go with blank at this point. During the match, Shawn Michaels comes off the middle rope with a nice flying elbow drop to which Macho Man states, where did he get that one from? Uh Uh-huh. So Savage kind (laughs) of questioning why Shawn Michaels using his finisher. And then if that wasn't enough, he steals another finisher. Michaels debuts his new finisher here. On this episode of Raw, he now uses the pile driver, at least for the time being. I wrote, Good thing Jerry Lawler rarely wrestles in the WWF, for now anyway. Sean picks up the win with that pile driver, three minutes and 52 seconds. I honestly always loved the pile driver. It was a big deal. It was always put over as a big deal. I watched a lot of the old, uh, like I said, I used to watch the old USWA Dallas, so I saw Lawler using it all the time. It was like the death move of doom whenever he did that so i was always i, I was a bit it was a big deal to see somebody hit the pile driver sean uses it here though and i never really cared for it when he i didn't like it uh, it never really caught on with me uh, it didn't work i didn't think it really fit the character and i just never bought into the pile driver and Shawn Michaels. so luckily well you know eventually he abandons it but yeah he does use the pile driver here for a brief period of time anyway
2: yeah i just thought he he looked too small i know lawler is not the biggest guy but I don't know. It, is, it didn't look like he was had the conviction to do it, and it didn't. He never really made it look good. Uh, Lawler's looks good. Sean's didn't. I think that that was the big thing with me. And I, I, Shawn's just trying to figure out what he wants to do to finish people off. He had to the yeah, kick there for good. a little bit, the teardrop suplex. Now he's doing the pile driver. And he's kind of just toying with things and trying to get figure out what he wants to do. But pile driver is not it.
1: Yeah, to be honest with you, I would have liked to have seen continue using the Perfect Plex all the way into SummerSlam, at least, you know, fairly often. Uh, that would have been a nice uh, way to continue to build to that match and maybe even have Shawn try to hit it during the match and it doesn't work, but um, I'm fantasy booking SummerSlam and we're only in the beginning of June, so I'll get back to this episode of Raw. King of the Ring Report. Mean Gene announces Shawn Michaels' intercontinental title will now be on the line when he takes on Crush at the King of the Ring. That causes Shawn Michaels to storm back out into the Manhattan Center. Shawn Michaels is pissed. He protests the announcement of having defended the title against Crush. He wants a night off, damn it. He just won the Intercontinental title for the second time, for crying out loud, but the title will be on the line now as part of the King of the Ring. It's during the next match, Vince McMahon on commentary announces that Razor Ramon has upped the challenge yet again to the kid. He went from 2500 to five grand. Well, He adds a little more to the pot. Razor Ramon now offering the kid $7,500 to step back in the ring with him. We're going to have to see what the kid has to say about that. As we go back to the ring, it's Mr. Bomb, Mr. Adam Bomb. With Johnny Polo in his corner taking on El Matador. Bobby Heenan on commentary says the last time Tito, oh, here we go, Steve, you're going to enjoy this one. The last time Tito saw a bomb was when his grandma made some enchiladas. All that gas, the big bomb his grandma laid that day. It's literally a direct quote from Bobby Heenan during this match. And you thought what Jesse Ventura said at WrestleMania six took the cake. Bobby Heenan just cuts to the chase here.
2: (laughs) That's good stuff. That's funny.
1: Wouldn't you know it, Tito Santana works the arm of Adam Bomb. Works the arm of a monster here in Adam Bomb. He's being misused and, and mistreated as far as the matches go. I've talked about what he did with Virgil, and I'm going to stand my ground here against Tito Santana. Baum takes over, but very bland offense for a guy his size. He's just not wrestling like a monster, like a giant, if you will. Tito, though, makes the comeback with the flying forearm. His former finisher gets a near fall off his former finisher, Adam Baum. He bumped for a dropkick that Virgil threw just a few weeks ago. This week, though, he doesn't bump for Tito. How dare you? The finish sees Adam Baum roll out to the apron and catch Tito with a slingshot clothesline to the back of the head. Adam Baum picks up the win five and a half minutes. Macho Man really sells the finisher this week. Look at the eyes, too, he says. Adam Baum, pretty cool contacts here, Steve.
2: Yeah, they're pretty sweet. Very unique, because I didn't even know they had special contacts back in the day. (laughs) Right. That that early. I know later on, you you get whatever eye color you want and, and those sort of things, but... I didn't think he could do it in '93, but hell, Jake did it in what '90, '91. So I, yeah, I 90, guess these yeah. things were available. I had no clue.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I, clearly, I didn't think his eyes looked like this, you know, as a as a young teen. But at the same time, I didn't realize that that I, how do they do that? I don't. I didn't have a fucking clue whatsoever. For sure. Yeah, and, I uh, didn't
2: either. I had no you know, clue. I didn't even think
1: contacts. And uh, as you know, so we go on here and I talked about this in the last episode of the grenade and uh, I'm standing by this here. I'm not I I wasn't a fan of bomb selling for any of Virgil's offense, much less taking bumps for Virgil on a single drop kick, a hip toss, a drop toe hold. It looked absolutely ridiculous. A guy bomb size 300 pounds taking bumps like this. And I'm just completely against these competitive matches that bomb is having with these underneath guys, these curtain jerkers. And I hate to say that about tito but that's where we are here in 1993 it's just a fact and i I just i'm not a big fan of this tito working his arm thing you you don't work a monster's arm i get it's tito and that's all you're going to get out of him a headlock or an arm bar especially here in in 93 but i I just i would have liked to have seen adam bomb come in there and just be more dominant
2: i agree with you yeah you shouldn't be jobbing these people or doing anything for these guys tito i understand like the. The history and things like that, and his career and what it means. But at this point, he's relegated to Jobber, Curtain Jerker, get the crowd excited. And he shouldn't be selling to any of that, especially Virgil, too. So uh, I, I agree with you. They're kind of dropping the ball already on Adam Baum, and that's unfortunate.
1: Show goes on. It's Tatanka and the ring taking on a big burly fellow by the name of Peter Weeks. And on commentary, as they rip poor SABS off with their hotline voting, we learned that Bret Hart is apparently in first place on on the hotline. You guys can vote who you think is going to win King of the Ring. Bret Hart's in first place. They claim Tatanka's in second. I find it hard to believe that Tatanka would be above Mr. Perfect, but take that for what you will. During the match, Tatanka with a nasty hip toss, Weeks takes a nasty bump out to the floor over the top rope. Weeks kind of big and dumpy, so no papoose to go here. I'm assuming that's why. Tatanka rather picks up the win with a top rope tomahawk chop three minutes and 15 seconds. I've learned that Tatanka squashes do not require three minutes, Steve, just way too long for Tatanka.
2: I agree with you a hundred percent. And I love how every single one of them ends with him doing a war dance comeback after like 10 seconds of giving up the offense. Oh, just real quick. I know we mentioned his chops a lot. Mm-hmm. I get, I was listening to a virtual signing that he had on his own. And, um, I think he said it was, uh, chief Jay. He says never give in on those. He told Tatanka never to give in on those chops. Never give in on it. Make him. A, he's like that's what you got. Make sure you do it and uh, never give in on it. So he's like, I'm sorry to anyone who got it a little snug and a little stiff, but I can't go against my uh, my elders and what they taught me, and uh, that's why I did it the way I did. So uh, you can blame Strongbow for the way to talk. I believe
1: I believe chop. Strongbow told to talk of that i have no doubt based on the character that i've heard over the years of the the type of character that, that jay strongbow was but i don't remember jay really laying him in i don't know that he was very much of a worker in any sense even a, even to throw a chop now wahoo now he threw a fucking chop <laughs> so <laughs> it could have been wahoo
2: happened. he was talking about both of them at the same time so it could have been one or the other but i want to say it, it's probably was wahoo
1: yeah i feel it feels i couldn't like, remember which one it feels like it could be either but one yeah. of them wahoo of course you know Ric Flair. You know he he got that from from Wahoo as well. So,
2: yeah, he said never give up, never give in on that. If you're gonna do it, because Tatanka's offense is mainly chops and right, the end of the trail. That's about it. <laughs> but so he's like, if that's what you're gonna do, you know, you don't need to give in on on anybody. And I don't think Tatanka ever did. So,
1: I know he didn't do it Pretty here, cool but backstory. I I love that the Papoose to go caught on. I don't remember the babyface uh, announcer saying it. But I love that it's caught on now to where Vince says it, Jim Ross says it. Nobody has any idea what it means. Bobby Heenan initiated it. If you guys go and look up the word papoose, I believe, that, I believe the definition is like a Native American baby. So it's, it's a baby to go. <laughs> Everybody's just saying it like they have no idea what the hell they're saying. Unbelievable. Basically a fallaway slam on a poor child. As we continue on, it's the <laughs> special edition of the King's Court. <laughs> Steve having some fun over there. Learning something new. Are you, Steve?
2: Oh, that's funny. Good yeah, shit. learning Only, something uh, new, like
1: every like every other time. And I have no doubt Bobby Hina knew exactly what he was saying. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, it's a special edition of the King's Court here on Raw. Jerry Lawler, again for the second day in a row, interviews Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna, so how special can it really be? Lawler, though, does an opening bit shitting all over New York City. He says, people here paint their trash cans red and gold, so they can tell their kids they're eating at McDonald's. I wrote LOLs. <laughs> Jerry Lawler. So much fun. God did he know how to get heat as we go into commercial break. When we come back, Lawler brings out Fuji and Yoko Zuna. Uh but before you know, before we before he does that, Lawler addresses the King of the Ring tournament. He says, Whoever wins King of the Ring is simply an imposter because he's the only real king here in the WWF. Getting that in before he brings Yoko and Mr. Fuji out. Lawler puts over Yokozuna. He dumps all over Hulk Hogan for being in Hollywood. Mr. Fuji on the mic says, Lawler, boy san, sorry, your highness. So he corrects himself. Lawler, <laughs> boy san, sorry, <laughs> your highness. He says, uh, Yokozuna, now up to 550 pounds. He mentioned that last on the last Kings Court as well. And they'll reclaim the belt that Hogan stole from them at WrestleMania 9. Banzai! So I we do hear from from Yoko Zuna here but I really liked I wish they would have saved this for the King's Court the the uh, the sentence that Yoko uttered last week uh I, here it is again guys for those who missed it
0: Hakamenia will die Hakamenia will die
1: Hulkamania will die, bonsai. Nobody could say it better. Yokozuna was so cool on that promo. It was a throwaway promo at the end of the show, and I don't know how many people actually stepped, stayed tuned to that Raw to watch that that closing segment with Yoko and Vince at ringside. But I just love that the first words, uh, English words Yokozuna put together, Hulkamania will die, bonsai. Good shit. Unfortunately, this King's Court, other than Lawler really uh, tra- trashing on New York City, that was a good line. With the McDonald's and the trash can and things. But uh, other than that, not not a very good segment overall.
2: I was going to say, he said that New York's pet is a cockroach on a leash.
1: Lawler <laughs> <laughs> well, taking uh, it to trying to get the heel heat with the, with the crowd to get over, which makes sense. I mean, that's the whole point of being a heel. Jerry Lawler knew what he was doing. As we go to the main event of Raw, we have an eight-man tag coming up at King of the Ring. So this week we get one member of each team as Billy Gunn and Rick Steiner team up to take on IRS and fa 2, all of their partners are at ringside for this match, including the manager, Offa, for the Head Shrinkers. This of course, a prelude to the eight-man tag at the pay-per-view. On the weekend, King of the Ring report, Gene said that it would be Billy Gunn and Scott Steiner, but of course we know Scott Steiner injured that hamstring, so Rick Steiner winds up taking his place here. The Head Shrinkers on the floor eating ice cream bars prior to the match. Offa eating the Macho Man <laughs> ice cream bar. Bobby Heenan said, just be glad you're not on the stick. So I was, another good line there from, <laughs> from the brain, talking to the Macho Man on commentary. Alpha also eats a $50 bill given to him from Ted DiBiase. To, as we get started here, more entertaining stuff on the outside of the ring than on the inside, I, I must say. As Bobby Heenan wishes happy birthday to Howard Finkel, claims Howard Finkel celebrating his 100th birthday because it was announced by Willard Scott. Any of the old school fans will will get that reference. Uh, not, not not that Willard's got anything to do with wrestling, but he he announced birthdays of people over a hundred years old on TV. Anyways, Macho Man then wishes happy birthday to Mrs. Pritchard in Houston. I don't know if you caught that, Steve, referring to Bruce Pritchard's wife. So I thought that was a little uh, Easter egg in the commentary. As the match gets going, it's Rick Steiner <laughs> and Fa Too working very snug. I had flashbacks of of 1989 nwa irs comes in and misses a flying clothesline takes a bump over the top rope to the floor but the guns throw him back inside for what vince calls a steiner liner vince loves to refer to it as a steiner liner he's trying to get it over i don't know if he's just screwing it up constantly and doesn't give a shit or if he's trying to rename the move but we'll hear more of that before this episode of the grenade is over as the match goes on irs accidentally blast fought and sends him flying off the apron. The head shrinkers and money incorporated then argue as we head into a commercial break. Back from break, we learned that Ted dibiase paid the head shrinkers off during the commercial. So we resume the match after the break. This is live, Steve. So apparently for two minutes, nothing happening at all. I'm sure the fans love that. They're in the Manhattan Center. The heels do take over on Rick Steiner. dibiase and Samu, even on the outside with cheap shots. To Rick Steiner throughout the match. fought too finally misses a Vader bomb when he lands on the knees of Rick and a hot tag to Billy Gunn. And IRS comes in the ring. Billy Gunn clears house of both of his opponents and knocks DiBiase off the apron as well. But that DiBiase distraction allows IRS to clothesline Billy from behind. Gunn goes throat first across the top rope. IRS then pins Billy Gunn. The heels pick up the win here in 11 and a half minutes. I wrote, I knew Rick Steiner wouldn't do the job, but I'm really surprised. That they'd beat one of the smoking guns on TV so soon, but they'll get their heat back though. Uh, I believe at the pay per view, so the heel team gets the win here in a eh, match.
2: Cool concept, different and unique by having the one of each team right uh, go against each other. So pretty cool. Yeah, I was shocked. I figured with all of them being ringside, the dudes just gonna break into an eight man melee and get you ready for King of the Ring, but uh, we actually got a finish. So I was surprised by that. And I'm with you the guns are new and they're already doing a job on TV. I get it. It wasn't with his partner, but at the same time, he's still getting pinned. So, and your eyes, your eyes are telling you the Steiners are definitely above this, the smoking guns. Yeah. And I guess the champs are too. So, um, they're third or fourth in line. That's what that tells me. So I'm not sure if it's the smartest decision, but yeah, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. And just to be clear here, uh, whether Billy Gunn did the job or not, I, my eyes still would have told me that the Steiner brothers are are, are above the smoking guns. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. But, I mean, like, the Money, Inc., and maybe even the Head Shrinkers are above them, too, based sure. off of that. No so, doubt about it, yeah. Uh, that's right. That's kind of what I was going with there.
1: Next week, we learn Marty Jannetty will take on Doink the Clown. That match might actually mean something had Jannetty kept the Intercontinental title, but it's still kind of cool, different, Marty and, and Doink the Clown. Maybe Marty's going to get revenge for that well, water bucket incident <laughs> back in late 1992. It only took six, seven months. <laughs> we close out this episode of Raw. Vince McMahon ringside talking to the bad guy Razor Ramon as one, two, three 2 chants begin almost immediately. Razor again out here challenging the kid with that $7,500 that Vince brought up earlier in the show. Va- Razor actually makes it sound like it's official, like the match is going to take place. But Vince said there was no confirmation that that match would happen and that Razor Ramon earned only 7% of the fan vote in the King of the Ring hotline. There it is again. When it came to the wrestle, the fans thought will win the tournament Razor only 7%. So what, Duggan had two then? I'd have to imagine. Razor Ramon then said that <laughs> Bret Hart would be a Nutter Loser, a Nutter Has-Been, in reference to the name of the Nutter Center, the arena in which the King of the Ring will take place. So Razor cutting that promo again. Like I said, I thought it was cool the first time I heard it. He does play it out a little bit, but eh, it is what it is. And we move on to King of the Ring weekend. Steve, WWF superstars for June 12th, taped May 24th in Halifax, Nova Scotia at the Metro Center. Lots of new clips just like wrestling challenge last week lots of new tri- uh, clips of wrestling moves inserted into the intro this week so again keeping it fresh changing things up a lot of guys are leaving a lot of new stars coming in and we're on the eve of king of the ring it's Vince McMahon welcomes us to the show let's take a listen what they have to say <laughs>
10: For the King of the Ring this Sunday night. What I'm ready for is the fact that the WWF title is on the line. And do you realize, Vince McMahon, how many prized possessions of this country that the Japanese already own? Let's face it, they own Tri-Star Pictures, they own CBS Records, they own Rockefeller Center, they own Pebble Beach, they even own the Seattle Mariners. And there's only one jewel left in that crown: the WWF title and they're gonna own that and they're gonna get it the old-fashioned way they're not gonna buy it they're gonna earn it when yokozuna squashes hulk hogan
6: (laughs) yokozuna does not represent the country of japan he represents himself macho man let's talk about the tournament itself you're right you're wrong let me tell you about the
0: spectacular of spectaculars never before in the wwf never before anywhere anytime any lifetime and that's the king of the ring tournament can you realize that we got eight guys left that have already qualified in a single elimination tournament and uh, the winner has got to wrestle three times talk about an iron man talk about a guy that's the real deal talk about a guy that's number one in the macho man's book The king is going to be crowned at the King of the Ring Tournament. And I've got so much respect for whoever wins that King of the Ring Tournament. And I'm not going to be able to help myself, Vince McMahon. And I'm not going to be able to help myself, Lawler. I'm going to jump over that top rope. And I'm going to put out my hand. And I'm going to congratulate the winner. Yeah, I am. But after that, I might kick him in the stomach and challenge him and beat him down. Because that's just the way that the year. Yeah. Here we go.
1: Uh, very interesting. Just want to touch on two things there. That's why that's why I picked up the soundbite. First, Jerry Lawler mentions a bunch of things that that's owned by other companies in Japan and, and things of that nature. And then Vince has to <laughs> cover it up, even though I'm sure he's the one that told Lawler to do it. He has to go, uh, Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji do not represent the country of Japan. So And and they do the same exact thing on Wrestling Challenge. I didn't take notes for that one, but Bobby does the same identical thing. He lists other companies and things that that's owned by companies in Japan, and then Jim Ross has to say that, that, that Fuji and Yoko do not represent the country of Japan. We talked about that several, several episodes ago, complaints. We heard from some of the Asian groups here in the United States and even in Japan complaining about the way they're being represented here by Yokozuna. So Vince McMahon lets the heels do all the talking, and then he kind of adds a disclaimer at the end. Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji do not really represent the country of Japan. So just funny <laughs> stuff here. And Lawler does it, and Bobby Heenan does it too on Wrestling Challenge. So I thought that was pretty cool. But the other reason I grabbed the soundbite, in case you didn't notice, what, what did Macho Man say maybe he might do at the end of the King of the Ring tournament? After someone wins the King of the Ring, he might, he might just congratulate them and then punch them in the gut and, and challenge them to a match because that, that, that's what he does. And I wrote... <laughs> Macho accidentally or I don't even know. Hints at the end of the pay per view? Question mark? That was really interesting what Savage had to say here.
2: Yeah, definitely uh hinting at something. Um <laughs> it would have been a lot it would have been cool if it was Macho, man. I would have paid to see that. Oh man. A
1: uh a heel turn by Savage here? Oh matcha. yeah. Uh
2: uh, sign me up. Lawler's good though, one hundred percent. But uh what we got wasn't bad, but that'd been cool. It's very odd. I mean If you're watching that and you're like, you see what Lawler does at the end of the King of the Ring, you're like, hey, you remember what Macho said at the beginning of superstars? (laughs) 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 You kind of spoiled this for us. (laughs) So uh, I never picked up on that, to be honest with you. I never I've watched superstars 93 a few times, like all the way through. And I don't recall picking up on that. So um, good catch.
1: See, I don't watch superstars 93 ever. And I and I, I picked up on it this time, though. I was glad I did. Because i was like, holy shit, did he just say? And it literally, I was grabbing the soundbite initially for the Lawler stuff. Because I thought that was funny enough. But then Macho Man, you know, he says, he says that. And I go, D- doesn't that, isn't that what happens? The King of the Ring, just, just not with Savage. So, yeah, it was uh, really cool. Really cool little, uh, another hidden gem there. Another Easter egg. Savage foreshadowing what's to come here, at King of the Ring. And I bet he didn't even know it.
2: He probably didn't. He's probably telling Vince, like, he's hoping that Vince listens, like, hey, I'm ready to get back in the rain. I can, can hear that.
1: I can see, see that off camera. Wasn't that a good idea? Yeah, that was, pal. I'll give it to the king. Damn it. <laughs> that's probably how it went
2: down. That's just probably how it <laughs> went down. Thanks, macho. <laughs> Fuck. That's good shit, pal. <laughs> yeah, that's some good shit, pal. Wait a book. <laughs> oh, boy. Poor macho.
1: We are proud to announce the launch of wrestle Copia brand and the wrestle Copia podcast network, which you can find over at www.wrestlecopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com, WrestleCopia.com. You may have heard me mention the wrestle Copia brand in passing on a variety of our shows. You might be asking, what is wrestle Copia?" Well, the name derives from the words wrestle for wrestling and copia, which is defined as having plenty or an abundance of it's abundance of wrestling history over at wrestlecopia.com as the podcast never continues to grow with a variety of podcasts everything from our show the wrestling memory grenade where we take a trip down memory lane to wrestling history's past as we analyze and dissect complete years of wrestling history from your favorite promotions to monday warfare the battles within an in-depth look and weekly breakdown of the entire raw versus nitro war To our newest podcast, TR Shocks the World, where host Tom Robinson makes his long-awaited return to the wrestling airwaves. Tom does everything from break down the current product to share inside stories and memories from years gone by. It's discretion advised as TR shocks the world with his strong opinions, hilarious impressions, and so much more. The WrestleCopia News Network is a special feature podcast. You can expect more late-breaking news, timely discussions, and tributes to the fallen legends on future episodes of WCNN. We've also got other podcasts being prepped for their debuts, including a territory-based show we like to call The Money and the Miles. There's an old saying in the world of professional wrestling that nothing in this business is real except the money made and the miles traveled. In this podcast, we discuss the territory era, with shows focusing on everything from show reviews to yearly breakdowns to episodes focusing on some of the rare, lesser-known territories and outlaw promotions of yesteryear that remain an enigma. Stop on over to WrestleCopia.com for all the latest shows and follow us on Twitter, at WrestleCopia. That's on Twitter, at WrestleCopia, for all the latest news and information on the podcast network. And we'll move on with the show. The Steiner Brothers taking on Iron Mike Sharp and Ralph LaRue. I wrote, is this a rib on Mike Sharp, really? Mike Sharp in the ring with the Steiner Brothers? We do see Sharp (laughs) eat a Steiner Liner, as Vince McMahon loves to call it here. But he tags to Larue and it's Larue who wrestles the duration of this match and I go oh now it all makes sense another is Scott Steiner liner according to Vince McMahon and a dragon suplex on Larue we've heard what a maneuver plenty of times what a maneuver this week it's awesome maneuver awesome maneuver Vince, <laughs> Vince adding to his repertoire of words this week here on superstars it's a double underhook power bomb in the doomsday DDT From Scott Steiner, it's doomsday for poor LaRue. The DDT off the ropes. Scott Steiner picks up the win, two minutes and 33 seconds. I I wrote down, I always love the mix of finishers here by the Steiner brothers. Every one of them equally deadly and awesome. Yeah,
2: that's no lie. I don't know why anybody would be okay with taking that move. Obviously, there's not much you can do. You're you're not going (laughs) to tell the Steiners no, but shit, no thanks.
1: We (laughs) can take I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Do I want Scott Steiner's DDT, or do I want Scott Steiner Steiner's screwdriver, or do I want the Bonsai drop? That's a, that's a dilemma for my sure. My ribs
2: will heal. My ribs will heal, not my head.
1: <laughs> I fear the punctured lung. As we move on, it's update time with Gorilla Monsoon. He talks about Shawn Michaels regaining that intercontinental title. We even see still pictures from the match where the new bodyguard aids Shawn in defeating Marty Jannetty for the belt. Once again, they reiterate that Shawn Michaels will now defend that Intercontinental title gets crushed at the King of the Ring. Let's hear from both sides.
0: Let's hear from both participants right now. Shawn
1: Michaels, because of you, brother,
0: my opportunity
1: to return to of
0: Hawaii, as King of the Ring was taken away. But that's okay, because to some bad things come good. Now I got even a greater opportunity—a shot at the Intercontinental title. Shawn Michaels, polish up that belt, because no bodyguard or nothing is gonna stop me. Well, the conspiracy continues. No time for Shawn Michaels to get the bask in the glory of becoming the two time Intercontinental Champ. Jack Tunney throwing me into a title match against Crush at the King of the Ring. Well, Crush, one thing is not going to change, and that is Shawn Michaels being the Intercontinental Champ.
1: I think Crush needs to work on his English here. His chance at King of the Ring was taken away, and then no bodyguard or nothing is going to stand in his way. The double negative. Vince hates that kind of stuff. But hey. It flew back here, I guess, in 1993, brother. Shaka.
2: <laughs> I, love his, I love his accent, man. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it never, I, I don't know. I just, it was so weird when he was in demolition and he called everybody amoebas. I just thought it was really cool, like word of the year or something for him. <laughs> wow. We roll on with the show, though. You remember Razor Ramon offered the kid $2,500. Turned that down, five grand. Nope, didn't accept that either. Razor up the ante on Monday Night Raw to $7,500. Let's see what the 123 kid has to say about that.
0: You know, last Monday night on Raw, Mr. Ramon, you came back out. Now you're offering me $7,500 to get back in the ring with you just one time. You know, that's more money than I've ever had in my entire life. And I get goosebumps just thinking about what I could do with that money. Boy, that money sure would help right now, all the bills I could pay off and everything. And then I think $7,500. It's a lot of money. And money may be important to you, Mr. Ramon, but my family is the most important thing to me. And if something would happen to me, I don't know what my family would do. So I'm just, I just can't do it. I can't accept it. The answer is no.
1: So Razor tries, tries, tries again. And the kid's still turning him down now for $7,500 here.
2: Crazy. (laughs) He sounds like such a little kid, man. It's so weird. I think that's part of the problem that I always have with like X-Pac and how he is as a person, some of the stuff that he's done and things like that. It's just, I still remember him as this kid here when he first came in and it kind of, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. It's like you grew up with him, but clearly you didn't, but you know, it's different.
1: It but, also, uh, yeah, it, is, it could also be because he became a slimy punk, which is why you got X-Pac heat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like I always remember him as this guy and, it's like man he went from this to that and it's like wow okay.
4: Yeah.
2: Um Different world. But Yeah, this promo is terrible. <laughs> he sounds so bad. He sounds scared.
1: You talk about it. He's probably scared to death cutting a promo here.
2: Yeah, I he's definitely has the blinders on. He has deer in the headlights on this one, but um
1: So he turns the bad guy down, but it's Razor Ramon in action against Burt Centeno. Before the match can start, Bret Hart appears up on the video wall. I wrote, that's different, Inter- interrupting a match from the video wall. Bret taunts Razor a moan. He asks, what makes Razor think he can stand one iota of a chance when he couldn't even beat the young kid? Bret then starts the one-two-three chant, which quickly dissipates as soon as Hart disappears off the screen. But Razor takes it all out on poor Centeno here. It's the fallaway slamming. That's it, Steve. Razor's Edge gets the win in only a minute. In 22 seconds, we go on to -to face-to-face. The Peacock version sees promos from Jim Duggan and Lex Luger. They talk about their respective matches in the King of the Ring tournament. The localized face-to-face, it's Madison Square Garden tonight, June 12th. We heard The Undertaker and John Gonzalez last week. Can they top (laughs) the face-to-face from last week, Steve? Let's see. Now they're
7: joining us this week, two men who are going to be squaring off against each other tonight at Madison Square Garden, The Undertaker with Paul Bear in his corner, and the eight-foot-tall Giant Gonzalez, I believe with that pipsqueak Harvey Whippleman in his corner. Harvey... You better watch your mouth. Are you there? Yes. Gene, tonight is going to be the greatest night
5: in the Giant Gonzalez's life, because tonight... He's gonna make history in front of all them New York Yankee trash. Because he's gonna put The Undertaker out of the World Wrestling Federation once and for all. And, Bubba, you can take that all the way to the blood bank. Oh, please. Oh, blood. How oh, that word excites me, Harvey Whippleman. There'll be blood tonight, all right, when my undertaker rips the eyeballs out of the head of your giant Gonzalez and spits into the sockets of his dead skull. Oh, yes!
0: As we stand in the comfortable confines that is the dark side, we pondered what we would bring to New York. And we decided... It would be death, darkness, and destruction.
7: Gonzalez, rest in peace. Oh, will be a little uneasy after a conversation like that. I guess it's very understandable.
1: I can't imagine <coughs> the zillion outtakes there must be wherever all of the promos Gene's done over that, like, frickin' ten years, <laughs> ten-year run in the company and some of this nonsense that actually made air. Imagine what didn't make air.
2: Oh, my God. I feel bad for Gene because he has to be there for the whole damn thing where these guys just do their takes and head out. So, you know, I can imagine Mr. Perfect and some of those guys that like to do ribs just horsing around and right. taking forever, and Gene's stuck there for 15 hours while these guys get to leave after, like, two. So uh, those have been long days, but it's it's what it takes to – make your product stand out and to drive that house show business.
1: Might also be what chases Gene away here in a couple of months as well. So uh, <laughs> Paul Bear, very adamant here that, that for sure at this point that The Undertaker is going to rip the Giant Gonzalez eyeballs out of his <laughs> sockets and then spit inside of them. Still doesn't beat Giant Gonzalez's promo from May. I posted from the TSN show, The Undertaker going to wrestle Giant Gonzalez up in Canada. When he, when he called The Undertaker. Undertaker, you potato head ugly man you potato head ugly man <laughs> giant gonzalez referred to the undertaker i don't know who gave him that line somebody probably ribbing the giant gonzalez there but it is what it is is these guys have if anything else they have some great promos between paul bear and the giant gonzalez i'll give him that much also part of the madison square garden show intercontinental champion sean michaels takes on another heel the bad guy razor Me and gene talks to them as well here on the face to face
7: Tonight at Madison Square Garden, Razor Ramon is going to be squaring off against my guest at this time. He is once again the Intercontinental Champ, Shawnee Boy. Welcome back to the Big Apple.
0: Well, the kid just won the title in Albany, New York. Now, I'm not one to gloat. I'm not one to brag. You are? I'm not one to boast. But I'm the champ, and you're not. The Heartbreak Kid, and now back on the top of the mountain looking down on everybody else. Razor,
7: you got your goal. Thank you you very much, Shawn Michaels. We'll see you tonight at 8 o'clock in
1: Madison Square Garden. Cuts him right off and back to the action. Steve, it's time for the powerful new force here in the World Wrestling Federation here in 1993. There's nobody newer to the company. This powerful new force. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I got my two by four, two by four, two by four. I got the American flag,
0: American flag, American flag. I got my two by four, two by four, I got the American flag. I hacksaw
1: Jim Duggan. You know, Steve, I don't know if you've ever actually listened to this album, and you probably haven't. But I got to say, most of these songs, okay, none of these songs really made any sense whatsoever. Although I did mention this on the last episode of the Grenade, Bret Hart's song. Oh, my God. If that wasn't a Bret Hart song, I don't know. It makes me want to shoot myself in the head. It's almost like a Bret Hart promo. Well, it kind of is a Bret Hart promo. It's like a love promo, (laughs) a love ballad by Bret Hart. Oh, my God. Yes, indeed he do. As we continue on with the show, it is the powerful new force in the WWF Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. He's only been here six, seven years at this point. Taking on Mike Bell, and it's all about the USA. USA! 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 Ho! Oh! USA!
4: USA! USA!
1: Oh! Oh, and then from there, hacksaw does what hacksaw Jim Duggan does best—he beats people up, 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 up. Oh, hacksaw, Jim just a few excerpts from the song in case you missed it steve the three-point stance picks up the win here in only one minute and four seconds as hacksaw jim duggan does it one more time and he beats another guy up and it's time for Bonnie Blackstone up on the stage. She's going to interview Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna about the King of the Ring, because we haven't seen that yet. I wrote, what the fuck is Bonnie wearing? Is she a flight attendant? What the fuck was it? It was like a, a blue blazer of sorts with some kind of giant emblem as if she'd like fought in like 17 wars or something. I don't know what the <laughs> hell was going on here.
2: Oh my God. It gets even worse. Is this the, this is not the pink one, is it? No,
1: that's next. That's oh. the, I believe that's the
6: next one.
2: Yeah.
1: I oh my God.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Wow, her, her, I will give her props, man. She doesn't hold nothing back on these guys and interrupts them and gets point across and does actually a pretty good job, I think. Yeah, of doing the interviews. But her her choice of wardrobe is brutal. Holy yeah, I'm, shit! I'm, I'm wondering.
1: It feels like you know this is Vince McMahon dressing her and and telling her what to do with her hair too. It's he's just had a certain set ways. I I don't know what the hell was going on because this is not what Bonnie looked like back in the global days or anything else. You see out those clips out there of the. The Georgia era, when she was uh, hosting that uh, six-hour block of wrestling TV with Joe Pescino, she wasn't dressing like this. I'll say that.
2: <laughs> I, from what I remember, wasn't she wearing like? Doesn't she wear like the suits? Or oh, was she geez. full on like evening gowns? And
1: I think a little bit hot. of everything. You know, I think she's done a little bit of everything, but certainly not this. Whatever the fuck this is, this is not what she did. Yeah, I don't know. What I, this I don't is. know what the fuck. I, I don't even no know where point. you find this shit. I'm still trying to figure out what the Uh, fuck the giant fucking crap is. The emblems or whatever the hell those were on on her her suit. (laughs) Whatever the hell this is going on. Anyways, it's Fuji and Yoko for the umpteenth time here. So I'm groaning already before this promo gets going. Fuji says Hulk Hogan stole the bout at WrestleMania, stole the title at WrestleMania. Bonnie says Fuji was the one that issued the challenge, which, of course, Fuji the stooge denies. Mr. Fuji talks about Yokozuna bulking up another 50 pounds says he's been eating 8 to 12 meals a day. I don't doubt that. He says the bonsai drop will destroy Hulk Hogan at King of the Ring and Yoko will be the new WWF champion. I wrote, well, that wasn't nearly as bad as I feared. I, like you said, I think Bonnie does a really good job up there. And Fuji, even though he's repeating himself, at least he's got his shit together. He knows what he's saying for once. Vince says that Fuji does not speak for any Asians and Yoko doesn't represent Japan, so he makes sure to get that in one more time. Oh, of
2: course. we can't uh, offend those folks.
1: No sir. As we go back to the ring, it's a super rare appearance by the Undertaker on TV. He has not been wrestling on TV much at all here. In 1993, as he takes on P.J. Walker, and after a lengthy walk to the ring, he finally gets into the ring, does a few moves, and it's the choke slam. Wow, that was just incredible, Steve. Undertaker looks like he might be going for the tombstone, but no, he makes the cover after the choke slam pinning the future Aldo Montoya in only a minute and a half because he sees the Giant Gonzalez coming to ringside. I like that there. Instead of going for his finisher, he simply made the cover because he saw the Giant heading towards the ring. Post-match shenanigans see the Giant Gonzalez into the ring with Harvey Whippleman by his side. He attacks the Undertaker, and as the two men trade blows, Mr. Hughes sneaks in from behind, attacks Paul Bear, and nails Paul Bearer with the sidewalk slam. Probably the biggest bump I've ever seen Paul Bear take off the top of my head anyway. Mr. Hughes then nails The Undertaker from behind repeatedly with the urn to finally lay him out as the giant Gonzalez just magically disappears from the ring. He's like, doink. It was all an illusion. There was no giant Gonzalez (laughs) here. I don't know where the fuck he went to. How do you miss an eight-foot guy standing around ringside? I don't know what the fuck happened here. Mr. Hughes then turns the urn to Paul Bear as well, beats him down. And from what I read, this is an edited version due to violence. I guess he beat the living crap out of Paul Bear with this urn. And it didn't make TV. There were a lot of cuts during this beatdown because of how much (laughs) I guess Mr. Hughes used the urn on the undertaker and Paul bear here. I wrote (laughs) where the fuck did the giant Gonzalez go? All the focus here, clearly on Mr. Hughes. It's no joke that the plan eventually here post SummerSlam anyway, was to do the undertaker. Mr. Hughes Hughes even steals the urn. the, The first man to steal the urn here in the world wrestling federation, Mr. Hughes. I wrote odd timing for such a huge angle just a day before the King of the Ring, but it does keep both guys fresh in our mind as we head into the pay-per-view. Neither The Undertaker nor Giant Gonzalez part of the pay-per-view. So pretty cool stuff here.
2: Yeah, I liked it. I was shocked to see Paul Bear get picked up and dropped at the sidewalk slam. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty nasty one. Yeah, it was but, good looking.
0: Yeah, it was a good move.
2: Yeah, and uh, it was pretty violent. It was rough. It looked, they, did it, they did the hard cam uh, when he was putting the urn to Paul Bear's face. Pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, you didn't see the Undertaker get beat down like that too often. Uh, I know we've seen that at the Rumble and, with Giant Gonzalez, so for them to go back to the well again with Mr. Hughes, Undertaker's probably wishing this happened first. <laughs> and Giant Gonzalez never came in, but uh, no, this is a pretty impressive angle, and it was uh, pretty brutal.
1: And we move on with the show. It's the King of the Ring Report. It's Mean Gene Claims the Undertaker during the break carried Paul Bearer to the locker room. I wrote Highly unlikely, to quote Gorilla Monsoon. I don't see The Undertaker carrying Paul Bearer to the locker room, but hey, we didn't see it, so we just got to take Gene for his word, and we all know how honest mean Gene is. As we continue on, it's a Hulk Hogan. In fact, the final Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan promo prior to The King of the Ring. You, you actually Skyped me about this promo, but let's take a listen to it first.
7: Earlier, we heard from Yokozuna. Right now, let's hear from the Hulkster.
1: You know
0: something, Hulkamaniacs? I gotta lay it out straight to you one time, because this Sunday night, it all comes to a head. Destiny meets Hulk Hogan, brothers. Five times WWF Heavyweight Champion, guided by the mouth of the South. But now in Dayton, Ohio, not only with America, but with the whole world watching, I face the biggest, the toughest challenge, bar none of my career. Well, even when I was a little teeny holster, there were a few things that turned me on, dudes. Fine-tuned guitars and firm-feeling women. But in the twilight of Hulk Hogan's career, my kids turned me on, spending time with my friends. But i got to lay it out straight. Here's the down card for you. The thing that makes Hulk Hogan walk on the wild side, brothers, is walking that edge, that fine razor's edge that separates greatness and all-out disaster. Well, Hulkamaniacs, this Sunday, I get to walk the edge. And cameraman, if you'd wake up and zoom in on the largest arm in the world, brother, you can see the 24-inch python with the main vein that's full of ice-cold water, brother, is ready for the ultimate challenge. Because after Sunday, we'll find out if Hulkamania is going to live forever. We'll find out if it's Pearl Harbor all over again. But the one thing we're going to find out... Is if you've trained, said your prayers, eaten your vitamins, believe in yourself, and believe in Hulk Hogan. We're gonna find out what side of the fence you're on. So in Dayton, Ohio... When the building starts to rumble and the shadow of the immortal Hulk Hogan comes to the curtain, it's not an earthquake. It's not a natural disaster. It's just the strongest force in the universe getting ready to take over till the end of time. What you gonna do, Yokozuna?
1: (laughs) What you gonna do, Yokozuna? So things that used to turn Hulk Hogan on, fine-tuning guitars. What was the other one?
2: Firm feeling women.
1: Firm feeling women. All right. You know what turns him on now in the twilight of his He calls 1993 the twilight of his career, which I find hilarious in itself. His kids turn him on, Steve. I wrote ew.
2: Yeah, what, he it, says what? turn him on like all the time about everything. <laughs> so it's like what he cares about is being turned on. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I've noticed that with his promos here, but uh, I thought this was his best work since he came back. Uh, to be honest, it, it felt like an old Hulk Hogan promo the, you could pick a little thing like some of it's from like WrestleMania Four when you talk about Trump Plaza going down or maybe five with uh, with Savage, like Trump Plaza collapsing or whatever. Like it just felt like he finally focused and turned back the clock a little bit. I'm not saying it's great by any means, but compared to the stuff we've been hearing week over week, this was a notch above all that by pretty significant, uh, margin. This was his best work and he saved it for last, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, anything beats, uh, you know, riding (laughs) down the highway in your, uh, wide glide and getting struck by a lightning bolt in the, between your eyes and flying into the ocean with your Harley and having a palm tree in one hand and a hippie in another and whatever other bullshit he's been saying the last time, how many weeks now. So yeah, this was actually fairly coherent compared to most of them. So if you call that good, I suppose, yeah, successful promo here by Hulk Hogan, just in time for his uh, final TV match here at King of the Ring. And it speaking also feels of time, like he's like, uh,
2: pretty, he seems like mad at the fans. I think he sensed the booing and them turning on him. It, he felt a little angry in that promo. Like it, Maybe that's why he mentioned the twilight of his career, because he just didn't know, because this is his biggest challenge today. date. And the fans are against him. He knows it. He's kind of hinting at that. And uh oh, he knows like he's I leaving. want to be with my fam-. Yeah, and his family. And he wants to go back to all that. So I, I don't know. There's a lot going on here with him. Uh, I'm glad he's leaving. To be honest, I'm ready for him to go so we could just move on, not to talk about him anymore. But um, <laughs> it just it feels like there's a lot going on with, in his mind and everything else. And uh, it's he's going a million different directions and. He's clearly not focused on the task at hand, uh, which is wrestling. You can see that uh, clear as day.
1: Do you hear it, Steve? Oh, yeah. It's time. Another new tag team on their way to the WWF. It's men on a mission.
6: Get set for a new tag team headed to the WWF. They are men on a mission.
5: It's the M. to the O to the M You gotta be crazy to wanna get with them that's M-O-M-S-M for mom They're tick-tocking like that, time bomb bomb They're for men on a mission They're coming to the number one position Flaming to the right, flaming to the left They're bacon heads to the WWF We're on a mission We're on a mission We're on a
0: mission we're
1: this Men on a mission, on their way to the WWF. They're on a mission, Steve, and I don't know their names yet. They didn't say them this week, but Oscar did let us know that MOM stands for Mom. Apparently, uh, of course, these guys are the former Harlem Knights. They left the USWA. Per promoter Jerry Jarrett, also working in the here in the WWF, supposedly, according to the Mabel shoot interview because they had no real opponents left in the USWA. So Jerry Jarrett tried to get him a shot here in the WWF. Mabel admits maybe they were a bit sloppy in Memphis, maybe a bit dangerous in Memphis. They were feuding with the Moondogs. One of the Moondogs supposedly quit, claiming that the Harlem Knights were too rough for a Moondog, I wrote. Are you fucking shitting me? Apparently they got their tryout here in the WWF early May. Mabel admits they bombed in the ring, but they were relatively over with the fans. And that, coupled with Mabel's size, equals signed, and they're on a mission now. And, of course, their manager, Oscar, who they didn't know in advance, was hired. If you remember back at WrestleMania 9, we did the watch-along. I don't know if it was me or you that caught it, but there was it looked like a guy who looked like Oscar walking across the front row during the, the action. He was just walking in the crowd, and it looked just like Oscar. And we thought it might have been Oscar, and it clearly it was because apparently Oscar added to the team after giving Vince McMahon his business card during WrestleMania 9 weekend. He rapped in front of an elevator to show his skills to Vince McMahon, and I guess it paid off here because a month later he hires men on a mission and he decides, what happened to that rapper? What happened to that guy? And they just call him up, and boom, <laughs> he's got a job in fucking wrestling. The guy had no background prior to that, and uh, he's one of the shittiest rappers I've ever heard, but Vince never heard any rap before. Hey, that was some good <laughs> shit, pal. So this guy winds up here in the WWF just by happenstance.
2: Hey man, I can't think of the the analogy, but hey, he, he took his shot and it paid off. So kudos to him.
1: Yeah, that um, is definitely the definition of right place, right time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's weird. Like some of these stories from guys in the nineties, Mister Hughes is getting in a car and driving to a tryout and gets hired, and he's in a few with Taker, like we mentioned. Oscar handing out a business card. I mean, uh, people are taking the initiative and trying to get a job with Vince, and it's paying off for some of them, or a couple anyway. So that's pretty cool. I, I can appreciate that. No matter how terrible they are or how good they are, like when you're going out there and you're you're, you're putting in an effort and get, giving it your best shot, man, That's you can root for that.
1: And we head back to the ring to see another tag team. It's Tag Team Champions Money Incorporated over Tony Roy and Buddy Lane. DiBiase with the million-dollar dream here. Gets the quick win in a minute and 40 seconds. Post-match, the Steiner brothers arrive at ringside with Rick Steiner challenging Money Incorporated to a title match. I think they want it right here, right now. The Steiners enter the ring. Money Incorporated teases as if they're going to give them that title match right now, but they bail. It's going to be on their terms and their time. We do know that's coming pretty damn soon, but not here and not on Superstars as we close out this episode of Superstars. We get the generic face-to-face for King of the Ring. It's Bret Hart and Razor Ramon talking about their first-round matchup.
4: You
7: know, eight of the greatest superstars already qualified for the king of the ring. They're going to be meeting in the opening round. Two of those men are standing by right now, joining me face-to-face. Former World Wrestling Federation champion Bret the Hitman Hart and his opponent in the opening round, the man that uh, isn't exactly on a streak right now, Razor Ramon here like uh, one, two, three, huh? Okay, Gene, me. What? Everybody laughing at the bad guy. Not really.
8: Come on. One, two, three. Okay. Some little stick man gets a W over Razor Ramon. He's nobody. Forget about him. Now, Razor, he been down before, man. And he always get back up. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get up. And this Sunday, I'm going to be up. Because I'm going to go through the hit Because he, he used to be somebody. Well, he, he used to is. be the main man. And Razor, I'm going to carve you up, hit man. <laughs> uh, you Bret think Hart. so, Well, You know, yeah.
9: I, I mean, I'm mean, i curious to know what, what kind of preparation uh, Razor Ramon's been doing what for, for this big fight. I mean, here's a guy, he's supposed to be preparing for former World Wrestling Federation champion. And here's a guy, he gets beat by, as he says, a stick man. He doesn't look to me like a guy like Razor ramon has been doing very much homework. This is the king of the ring, buddy. This is the biggest event of the year. And you're stepping in the ring with somebody who's hungry. Somebody who wants another shot of the World Wrestling Federation Great. title. And the only way I'm going to do that is by becoming the king of the ring. No and I way. can promise you, Razor Ramon, Oh yeah. you used to walk the razor's edge, but seems to me like lately you're having trouble crawling on it. No. You're up against no. the best there is. No. The excellence of execution. Prove it. Technically, prove it. I'm going to wipe you out. Prove it. Gentlemen, One, two, enough of this rhetoric.
7: Three. Enough of this conversation. We're going to find out this Sunday night when the two of you meet in the opening round of the king of the ring exclusively on pay-per-view.
1: So we get a Nutter promo. See what I did there between Brett and Razor going into the king of the ring. Once again, Brett really got to get his stuff in.
2: He even cut himself off to go to something else. And yeah. I'm going to technically beat you. Uh, right. Jeez. He's a technical wrestler. We get it, Brett. My yes. God.
1: He's got to he's got to always mention. He's got to let everybody know what his style is. The
2: bet. The best part of all this is Gene just does not give a shit. He has that timer in his head, and he's cutting you off. You're yeah, not getting a minute longer.
4: Yeah, <laughs> he has, yeah, he
1: has no interest longer. in being there any longer than he needs to. The local face-to-face ads were part of the Nassau Coliseum show. We heard from the Steiners, and then a face-to-face with Doink the Clown and Crush.
7: Out in Nassau on Sunday night, June the 27th, more World Wrestling Federation greats are going to be on hand, including this bout, a return from the Meadowlands, Crush is going to be facing Doink the Clown. These two gentlemen are standing by, and they are joining us this week. Uh, Crush, uh, I really don't uh, envy you having to get into the ring with Doink. Or is it Doinks? I got to tell you, Mean Gene. I am looking forward to this more than anything in my life. First, the concussion. Then, then,
0: the double Doinks. I'll give you credit, Doink. You're a smart guy. You got a lot of tricks up your sleeve. You forgot the defeat. (laughs) that's right, brother. I'll give you credit. But the fact of the matter is... I'm not giving up. In fact, I'm coming back bigger and stronger than ever. Just and like right here, here in Nassau, young. let's get it on, brother, and settle it. You I don't just care, care if there's like too strong young as this tree. I cannot wait. You I can throw get my it hand down. It comes back up. I throw it down. Gentlemen, it comes we'll back find up. out when the two of
7: you meet out at the Nassau Coliseum <laughs> <laughs> Sunday night, June the 27th. Don't you dare miss this one.
1: You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I really had no fucking reason to grab that. It wasn't a very good promo. I just, I felt like I wanted to hear some doink on the show. So I just got a little bit of doink there at the end end of this face-to-face and we'll close out this show. Vince McMahon talks to Macho Man and Jerry Lawler about the upcoming pay-per-view. The King's royal prediction for King of the Ring is that Yokozuna will squash Hulkamania and become the new WWF champion. Meanwhile, the Macho Man can't figure out who will win the King of the Ring tournament as he runs down the entire list of participants. Who could it be? Well, it could be Bret Hart. Could be Tatanka. Could be uh, the Mr. Perfect. Could be just about anybody. Uh Uh-huh. So we don't know who's going to win the King of the Ring. This episode I wrote out of the norm. What is normally your basic coast into the pay-per-view show winds up seeing not one but two angles, a major angle between The Undertaker and Mr. Hughes. And then also, we're already setting up the tag team feud between the Money Incorporated and the Steiner brothers as well.
2: Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, They're getting ready for that house show run in the summer and uh, setting things up for post-King of the Ring, which was definitely unique for the time, because back then, nothing was bigger than what was in front of you, uh, pay-per-view-wise. They're kind of skipping ahead a little bit, looking forward past it a little bit, so that's pretty cool and unique for them.
1: Yeah, you never never see that. Of course, King of the Rings smack dab in the middle of Mania and SummerSlam. So you're we're getting something a little different here in nineteen ninety-three. And I, I dug it too. It really blew my mind even at the time, like, what is happening here? Why is this happening? theres a pay-per-view tomorrow? Like, I'm not used to right. that. I'm not used to you telling me new stories twenty-four hours out from a pay-per-view. That's supposed to happen next week. So yeah, definitely, uh definitely blew my mind then and still even still today. I'm I'm a little confused by it, but I, I think it was really cool. Good stuff here as we move on to Mania. For June 12th, Todd Pettengill hosting as Tatanka battles Mr. Hughes to a double disqualification, six minutes and twelve seconds. When both men hit the referee after the bout, Mr. Hughes lays Tatanka out with the sidewalk slam. Also part of this episode of Mania, a feature on the new Raw Girl Themis Clarities. And also, take back on June 7th at the Manhattan Center. We saw them destroy his car. We saw them or we heard them on commentary mock him for having a surgery. Of course, Bobby Heenan alluding that Mr. Fink was becoming a howet, if you will. And third time's a charm, the trifecta here. It gets played, it's recorded on Raw, but it's played here on Mania. It's a feature of Howard Finkel as the guest of the King's Court. It's Howard's birthday, Steve, in which Jerry Lawler demands Finkel announce him as the true king of wrestling. Moments later, Lawler grabs Fink by the back of his neck, forces him down to his knees to announce Lawler as the king, and then as a birthday present, Lawler throws a cake into the face of Howard Finkel. Boy, did they they just, uh, man, they really took some liberties on this poor guy.
2: What do you say to that? Just shitty. Just really shitty people. All he did was love wrestling. That was like his fault, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) He loved wrestling, and they knew he was never going anywhere. So let's treat him like total shit. I mean, it's just pretty bad.
1: Yeah, it's uh, sad sucks, sucks to see that. And uh, no, you know, he's no longer with us now. But I guess that's a conversation for a different time. And, you know, it is what it is. As we move on to King of the Ring Day. And King of the Ring going to be later on in the night. But right now we're on WWF Wrestling Challenge for June 13th. Tape May 25th in Sydney, Nova Scotia at the Center 200. I guess that's how you say it. Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan on commentary. They announced that there's a new intercontinental champion sean michaels once again ic champ as we head to the ring tatanka taking on a new look reno riggins here riggins rocking the davy boy smith dreadlocks and a new black singlet now insert promo during the match from tatanka he talks about bam bam bigelow's feud with bam bam as well as his first round match with lex luger at the king of the ring and then bobby says he eavesdropped on a recent conversation tatanka had bobby overheard this you
7: know. I was eavesdropping the other day when Tatanka was talking to his grandfathers and his father and all those people, and he said, running chicken, maybe you help me. I am very, very scared of big man with tattoos on his head, big man called beasts of the he maybe spank him bottom, send me back up trail. I mean, he was very concerned with Bam Bam Bigelow. You're lying again, aren't you? No, I'm not lying.
6: You're exaggerating.
7: Well, maybe I, maybe it wasn't his uncle. Maybe it was just a yeah. guy down the street. Good <laughs> creep. what a chop.
1: So running chicken was his uncle, or maybe, maybe it was just a guy down the street at the end of the story. Bobby changes the entire narrative there, but I just, I had to pop because it's classic Bobby stuff. <laughs> he spank him bottom <laughs> and all that good stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> she shouldn't
2: be laughing at that but uh, I'm going to laugh wow. at that.
1: Yeah, it's good. <laughs>
2: uh, it's hard not to. I mean, my goodness.
1: As, I'm not uh, trying the... to
2: offend nobody, but <laughs> my god.
1: Well, neither am I, but but uh, comedy's comedy for me and that, you know, I appreciate comedy. It's an art form. For those who disagree, that's fine. That's your opinion. But uh, Bobby Heenan was a classic and it still it still makes me laugh. Uh yeah, Spankum bottom <laughs> Beast from East. <laughs>
2: Tattoo on head. (laughs) Tattoo on head.
1: Uh okay, maybe it wasn't his uncle. Maybe it was the guy down the street. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it's great. Whatever. It is what it is. There's a match in the ring though. Reno Riggins attacks Tatanka, but that doesn't work out too well. Tatanka picks up the win. papoose to go. Three minutes and twenty-one seconds. I wrote Reno so good in his spot though, even if he never does get a real push here in the company. It's always good to see him on the show. He was there just seemingly forever there especially throughout the early nineties. And it's time for a special report with Alfred Hayes. Alfred continues to talk about the title change, Shawn Michaels defeating Marty Jannetty. And of course the debut of this new bodyguard, but I grabbed the soundbite anyway, because it's Alfred Hayes playing
11: the heel. This week's special report brings good news and bad news. The good news is that last Sunday, in New York's capital city of Albany, the ever-resourceful Sean Michaels hired a new bodyguard whose assigned duties allowed Michaels to regain his title from Giannetti. Now for the bad news. It would appear that World Wrestling Federation President Jack Tunney is continuing his vendetta against Sean. This time, he has officially proclaimed that the match between Crush and Michaels to be held this Sunday at the King of the Ring pay-per-view spectacular will be for the Intercontinental title. Obviously, not giving the champion time for recovery and preparation. However, there is more good news. Sean's new bodyguard will always be standing steadfastly at his master's side. Now, you can bet the Bank of England that Sean's new bodyguard will be on hand to prevent any deceitful moves by crush at the King of the Ring when they clash for Sean's title. Uh, Full-on heel here is Alfred
1: Hayes. A fun spin to the story, having a a guy do the heel routine in a special report, kind of putting it the opposite spin that we normally get from a Mean Gene or a Sean Mooney or a Gorilla Monsoon.
2: Yeah, this is different. I remember on the Superstars, they did... They cut to the same sort of uh, update, but... Alfred did the voiceover work of like the photo stills and talking about the thing. Was it the same as this? And they just had like Gene lead it in or was it different?
1: I believe it was different. I believe okay, that was that's pretty me. cool. I think that was to the point. Yeah. I, I just, I dug it because Alfred, I'm like, what is he saying is good. He, did he call that good and that bad? I loved it. And, and obviously Jack Tunney is out to get Shawn Michaels. He's not giving him time to prepare or relax or whatever the fuck he says after, you know, after he wins the title. Back. I loved it. I mean, it's just, i always loved
2: Alfred Hayes. Yeah. I've always loved him. You
1: guys do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube. I know it's out there. There's some old heel Alfred Hayes promos from the AWA and some other territories. I think Dick the Bruiser's territory, but there's some old Alfred Hayes promos out there from uh, when he wrestled and specifically when he was a manager and they're, they're fucking awesome. I I love Alfred Hayes. Show goes on. It's Mr. Hughes with Harvey Whippleman in his corner taking on Scott Despress insert promo from Mr. Perfect here. He admits that Mr. Hughes is pretty impressive. But he's not perfect, Steve. Hughes goes on to maul Dispress and nails an eight-foot sidewalk slam. That's what I called it. He puts Dispress a good two, three feet over his head and drives him down for the win. Two minutes, 17 seconds. We roll on with Face to Face and Gene Okerlund. They talk about the Nassau Coliseum show coming up in the latter half of June. It's the Steiner brothers here. So I didn't grab a soundbite of that. Also, Harvey Whippleman and Mr. Hughes talk about their upcoming match as well men on a mission did i mention they were on their way to the wwf well here we are we're in the first weekend of men on the mission vignettes and they're already on their second video believe it or not here we go
10: there's a new tag team on their way to the wwf they're called men on a mission
5: One position, bow, Mabel, Mabel and Moe, the boys are big, they're fast, they're cold, they're taking titles in everything, yes they are the king, pinning, rushing, one, two, three, these are the boys that you'll soon see. We're on a
4: mission, we're on a mission, we're on a mission, we're on a mission. And
1: we now know their names are Mo, Oscar, and Mabel. And I remember when I first heard that, did I hear that right? That they're calling this guy Mabel? That, that's a that's a woman's name, Steve. Of course, that's part of the charm, I suppose, of a large man. That's kind of like calling him tiny, I suppose. To a degree, he's Mabel.
2: M to the A to the B-E-L, right?
1: That's right. And I got to <laughs> say, this was over, at least short term, the whole rapping thing. I, I'm not going to deny that it was over. But man, Oscar just not very good. Not very good. He, He's definitely not. I'd say don't quit your day job, but apparently his day job was was a rapper and this was his other job, so I I don't know what he would have done. I got an Oscar story, but they'll be here for a while here in 93, so I'll save it for a, a different show. The the one time I ran into Oscar. What a story that was. Oh my god, I can only imagine. And we move on. It's it's the narcissist in the ring taking on Mike Davis, and it's more mirror time. Luger wants to fix his hair. He can't get enough of himself before the match starts. And you can just tell by looking at him, he's not from Oklahoma, says Bobby Heenan. And <laughs> Jim Ross says, how can you tell? And Bobby Heenan says, well, he has fingernails. He has fingers. So Bobby always giving it to Jim Ross here. In the commentary about being from Oklahoma, we get an insert promo during the match from Lex Luger. He talks about Tatanka and he thinks Tatonka's distracted by Bam Bam Bigelow. And he tells the Native American that if he wants to get to the finals of the King of the Ring, well, he better buy himself a ringside seat. Bobby Heenan back on commentary says Tatanka better buy the seat in cash, not in beads and feathers. I was like, oh my God. I was personally waiting for him to talk about ticket scalping, but he didn't go that route. As the pounce forearm gets the win, two minutes, 17 seconds here. Luger looks like he's uh, sticking with this pounce forearm as of late. Like maybe he was going to move in that direction. And then, of course, we know what happens here in a couple weeks.
2: Yeah, I like it. I will say, though, after watching this like match here, no wonder this shit didn't get over. He did absolutely nothing. There is, yeah. And then he There's... just drops the dude with the forearm and it's over. His promos are terrible. Like, his delivery on him, the words and stuff that he's saying aren't bad, but it's just the delivery. And uh, just get, he's doing nothing. He's not giving us anything besides that elbow. And, and you wonder why it didn't get over. Hmm. It's terrible. That's
1: terrible. Bonnie Blackstone was on Superstar. She's also here this week on Wrestling Challenge. And this time she, entered, she interviewed Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji, yesterday. Today she has the hitman, Bret Hart. This is the other suit. I wrote, "Who the fuck is dressing Bonnie now?" And that hair, woof! I don't know what the hell's going on. What was she? How would you describe what she was wearing here?
2: This was the pink one, right?
1: Yes, yes, the pink. Oh my suit god! Thing? <laughs>
2: I, I have no clue what this was. Looks like some curtains thrown together <laughs> with some <laughs> some patches sewn on or something. Like it's just, <laughs> it's it's horrendous. I, it's like Vince took it from his great grandma's closet and put it on her or something like well, this it's was so either bad.
1: this was either vince dressing her or joe Petticino dressing her i could see joe doing this too because joe knows you know the round mound of sound <laughs> joe knows he yeah, doesn't he want bonnie knows. to get hit i don't on.
2: want her looking good that's yeah, he right. doesn't want her looking good
1: and cut all that hair cut off your too. hair yeah cover everything
2: <laughs> up and don't don't be appealing to anybody because they will come after you <laughs> oh boy here in the that's, promo that's probably more likely
1: I don't know why Bonnie didn't stick around longer. I mean, she got, she got stuck with Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji yesterday, and today she gets stuck with the hitman Bret Hart back-to-back. Back, I feel for you, Bonnie, here. She talks to King of the Ring and Bret being the number one seed, and Bret talks about righting some wrongs that happened to him at WrestleMania 9. I wrote, shoot! You know when Bret said that, he was fucking shooting. And he talks about Razor Ramon losing to the kid, needing endurance and wrestling ability in order to win the King of the Ring. Brett says he's mentally on top of his game. He says Razor Ramon hasn't been mentally repaired. He's unstable. That doesn't even make any fucking sense. When he can't beat a virtual unknown like the kid, Brett says Razor Ramon is going to lose one, two, three. And then of course he leads the chant in the leads the crowd in the chant of one, two, three to close this segment. And then he says something to Bonnie off mic. I don't know what the hell was going on there, but that was kind of odd. Good
2: job. <laughs> Great work, pal. Keep up the good work.
1: Yeah, right. Brett never put yeah. nobody over. <laughs> uh, Thanks for the interview. Right. It was a night off. There you go. That's about that's his favorite line. The,
2: the pleasure is all yours, Bonnie. There you go. That's right.
1: <laughs> technically. Technically all yours. <laughs> And it's time for the final King of the Ring report. We, of course, we hear from both the challenger and champion Yokozuna and Fuji, Hulk Hogan, one more time. We see the clip of the 123 kid turning down the $7,500 offer from the bad guy Razor Amon. And to the ring, it's Tag Team Champions Money Incorporated taking on newcomers, the smoking guns. Yeah! And I'm impressed with the WWF because we're still getting these feature matches beyond May. May sweeps are over, and we're still getting competitive matches here on syndicated TV. Of course, this is non-title as the guns hit the ring. Bang, bang, bang with their cap guns in the air. We get insert promo immediately from the head shrinkers and Alpha. Of course, they'll be teaming with Money Incorporated to take on the guns and Steiners. At the king of the ring, I thought Alpha did his best Stu Hart impress- impersonation here. I thought Alpha sounded like Stu during this promo. Of course, they talk about the eight-man tag. In the ring, DiBiase, slow to start on Billy Gunn, but Billy makes the comeback, leads to a four-way melee early on as the guns clear the ring, and we hit a commercial break only 90 seconds into the match. As we come back, again, it appears Money Incorporated regain control, but it's Bart's turn to make the comeback and yet another four-way melee and again money incorporated dumped to the floor and then we get a insert promo from the steiner brothers who talk their version of the eight-man tag team match at the pay-per-view back in the ring it's irs who sidesteps bart and sends him flying out to the floor where dibiase lands some cheap shots so that money incorporated take over in the match irs comes off the top rope late in the match right into the foot of bart gunn Hot text to Billy Gunn and Ted DiBiase. Billy goes for a cover, but IRS breaks it up, and we get our third four-way melee in the smash. Jesus Christ, guys, come up with something new. Earl Hebner, the referee, is caught with Bart Gunn in the corner. Meanwhile, that allows IRS to trip Billy Gunn from the outside. DiBiase then lands a knee into the back of Billy Gunn, rolls him up for the win, 7 minutes and 30 seconds. Guns already doing jobs on TV, Steve.
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. They're new and you got to keep them over. Obviously, like you mentioned earlier, they get their heat back at the pay-per-view, but still two jobs in less than a week is not a good look uh for a brand new tag team.
1: Yeah, and the way they love to protect guys, it's uh, really shocking that they did this to him here. I this is clearly not a match that ne- necessitated a, a finish. I'm not, I hate that that I'm saying that, but of all the matches that necessitated a finish, all those King of the Ring matches, disqualifications, countouts, but here, here this week the gun's brand new, and they've been here what a couple weeks, yeah. and they're already doing jobs.
2: Yeah, all these matches featuring these eight men, and none of them has like an eight man just brawl. Dude leads to a double DQ to kind of hype up the pay per view. Like you w- look for that when these matches are thrown together close to a pay per view, just that that angle to get it a little bit push it a little bit further down the line. But you didn't get that at all. You got Billy taking pins in two straight matches like that. So. Yeah, not very good uh, booking as far as the new guys go. Throw in Adam Baum, and you
1: got uh, some questionable booking for sure.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know what's going on here with a lot of these new guys. But we go to close out wrestling challenge. the final face-to-face on the program. We hear from Jim Duggan. He talks Bam Bam Bigelow and some more Crush and Doink as they talk their upcoming matches on the house shows. And all show, Jim Ross had avoided bobby heenan's question of who would win the king of the ring that continues here at the end of the show but jim ross does agree with bobby heenan that he believes yokozuna will beat hulk hogan and win the wwf title Heenan picks yokozuna to take the title and luger to win king of the ring no surprise there so we talked about it a little bit already jim ross one of the many baby faces going along with the heels that hulk hogan he's too busy in hollywood he's not ready for this match with Yokozuna Yokozuna is going to come out the t- with the title. No doubt at this point everybody knows what's going to happen. They know what's going on and why and it's time time to bury Hulk Hogan, maybe not verbally bury bury him, but they're certainly not looking at him as the uh, the favorite going in.
2: Yeah, that's never that never happened before to a champion, especially Hogan. Even Macho Man would put him over a little bit and and those sort of things. Like He's still the champ and all that, but for the most part, everybody's just putting him down and burying him on the way out the door, and rightfully so. uh, You just shit all over three months' worth of booking because you didn't want to do the job on the way out like you're supposed to. So I I can't blame him at all.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this. I think Macho Man's the only announcer uh, in the WWF that hasn't sided with Yokozuna. I don't think Macho Man's really had his stance either way. Uh, other, other than that, though, yeah, every single uh, announcer, I think, is uh, sided with Yokozuna in this uh, match coming up at King of the Ring. As we go on to one more program, it's All-American for June 13th. Gene Okerl and Bobby Heenan hosting and Gorilla Monsoon and Jim Ross on commentary here. This week's All-American exclusive taped in Sydney, Nova Scotia, May 25th. It's a six-man tag team match. Two out of three falls. What a random match from the WWF, of all places. Tatanka and the Steiner brothers taking on Money Incorporated and Doink the Clown. Fall number one happens almost immediately when Ted DiBiase tries a pile driver on Rick Steiner, but Scott Steiner comes off the middle rope with a Steiner liner. Okay, Vince wasn't commentating, so it was just a Steiner line. Rick pins DiBiase in only 33 seconds. As we head into commercial, for fall number two, Ted DiBiase finally gets that pile driver when he beats Rick Steiner with the move. In the second fall, uh, about another six minutes into the match, and then finally, fall number three, Rick Steiner, who was the illegal man, he had made the hot tag, but Rick Steiner pins DiBiase with the Buzz Sawyer Power Slam And about another two and a half minutes after DiBiase attempted the leapfrog right into the Buzz Sawyer Power Slam. Rick Steiner picks up the win, so the Steiners and Tatanka win at two falls to one, and it was just nice hearing commentary again on these All-Americans that focus on the actual matches now. Like, Jim Ross makes these matches feel important whereas The Wizard and Gorilla Monsoon were too busy doing their shtick, where they just kind of talking about the old days and nonsense and getting getting each other over. And I'm not trying to bury Gorilla, but you know how Gorilla can get sometimes in these uh, these old taped matches that don't matter. He just kind of just hangs around and talks. And here Jim Ross is excited. He's into it. He's putting it over like it's just as important as anything else on TV. So that was fun. It made it more energetic.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Ross is putting everybody up to their game, bringing everybody up with him, I think. Yeah. Keenan seems a little fresh, and he's coming up with new material and, and, and things like that to bag on Jim Ross and, and those sort of things. So a new guy comes in, and he's damn good. Uh, it's not some young pup that they're trying to help develop or whatever. This dude's already established, and he's one of the best commentators in the business, even in 93. And for him to come in, like everybody's looking like, okay, I, I got to step my game up. That's what they're doing
1: very well put i really couldn't say it any better jim ross you can tell gorilla monsoon a different man here when jim ross is on commentary with him he's kind of forced to go along with jim ross's pace now i don't know if gorilla could ever meet jim ross's pace but he's he's trying here at least he's talking about the actual matches making them feel important again and uh ladies and gentlemen i have
9: just been informed sean michaels has left the
4: building
1: Well, Steve, if Shawn Michaels has left the building, that probably means he's on his way to the King of the Ring to defend his intercontinental title against Crush, and that means our next show, we're on our way to the King of the Ring as well. The King of the Ring Watch Along, the next episode of The Grenade, Steve.
2: Can't wait. I like this show. It's a really good show.
1: Yeah, if you're in it for good wrestling action, lots of great wrestling matches on this show, at least uh, several of them anyway, for sure. More than you typically got in a WWF pay-per-view.
2: I agree. It's Bret Hart's night. We all know that, and and I can't wait to watch it. I watch it every once in a while, and it's another thing too. And I don't want to talk about it too much, but the building—I really like the building and the way they have the lights and everything set up, the production and stuff. So, Steve, it's small,
1: but it looks good. Chico, it's just another building, man. That's all it is. So, next episode of the Grenade—it is episode forty-three, the King of the Ring watch along. Just in time for the holidays. Fun stuff. And uh, we're going to get that recorded and hopefully out as soon as possible. And then, of course, after that, it's episode 44, which will feature the second half of June. Lots of changes on the house shows. Lots of news on the future of Hulk Hogan and so much more. And, of course, two more weeks of June TV. I can't wait for that. And then we'll be moving into 2022. And we'll be doing July, August, SummerSlam watch-along, and so on and so forth. And by then, your buddy Ludwig Borges should be here.
2: My buddy, I wouldn't go that far. But uh, another guy to talk about, I guess, is yeah. an interesting character.
1: Well, I could have said "well done." Would you have rather I said "well done"? <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> knowing what Ludwig borger stands for, yeah, probably. Okay. Um,
1: How about the Quebecers? But, uh, can we agree on the Quebecers? I'll oh yeah, together. we
2: okay. can absolutely agree with the Quebecers. Excellent, excellent. All right, I, I like I that. I can't wait to see Jacques Rougeau. I love that guy. He's so
11: damn, he's so damn awesome promotional consideration paid for by the following
1: we love your loyalty your guys are sticking with us you're listening to every episode of the grenade you guys are all caught up we're all caught up now into the middle of june the middle of the year we're just about halfway through 1993 already steve that's pretty cool
2: flying by it's way faster than nwa i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah
1: it's a, uh, it's uh, not as discombobulated it's... that's for sure
2: it's so much easier to follow. My Absolutely. goodness, so much easier to follow.
1: <laughs> see what happens when you when you run real production.
2: <laughs> All
1: right. Organization is oh, key, people.
2: Knowing what's in the can is key, too, I guess, but I suppose, that's common yeah. sense.
1: Indeed. All right, guys, uh, we'll see you soon here for the King of the Ring Watchalong. Steve, I really appreciate you being here again for this one.
2: Uh, thanks for having me again.
1: Absolutely.